0: Good morning everyone, you're tuned to Community Radio 3CR, time is just after 7.30 and yes it is the gardening show, we are back for 2017, so uh, I hope everybody is uh, wide awake, even if you are still in bed and uh, ready for another gardening horticultural ride this morning with us all. We've Firstly, have to say a very good morning for 2017 to Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants. Hi, Stephen.
1: Hi, Pam, and hi, everybody out there. It's so nice to be back, I have to say. Even the getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning seemed like an excitement this morning. <laughs> uh, so... Um and I did notice, because I don't get up at six o'clock very often, that it's actually starting to get dark now.
0: It is. Yeah. I so, noticed the same thing yeah, when I left yeah, this morning. So, yes, I, 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 had, long?
1: I had to sort of trip through the garden and try and let the little chooks out before I left this morning. And I'm thinking, oh, goodness gracious me, you know, autumn is on the way it already. Is. And, yes. And I have to say, I'm quite pleased we really haven't had much summer. Uh, it's been the most relaxing summer I can remember in years. You know, so and there was a little drizzle last night at our place. I don't know whether everybody else got a bit of rain, but I got up this morning and there was a little bit of water around. And so stumbling up to let out the chooks, of course, I got seriously damp when I sort of brushed past <laughs> things. Um, but it was just a lovely morning to get up and and come down to town. So
0: and they have forecast rain for today. Yes. Uh, so perfect.
1: So I'll be up for that. Uh, yep. That shouldn't, of course, co- stop people going to nurseries. Just remember. you know. In fact, if it's Absolutely too wet to work not. in the garden, it's a perfect idea to go to a nursery <laughs> because if you can't work in the garden, what else are you going to do? Absolutely. Yeah. And it is early in the year. There's probably not that many things going on. We haven't got a lot of community announcements, have we? Uh, a few. Oh, we have. Yeah, oh, So there's a still few. a few things going on. Yeah, well,
0: uh, things are just starting to... Because school's gone back, yeah. things are starting up again.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's fair enough. So yeah. if you've got nothing else to do today, and it doesn't have to be my nursery, although I'd be perfectly happy if you did, uh, but yeah, go out and visit a nursery. I mean, see what's in flower at this time of the year. That's something that people don't often do because they get excited about going out and gardening when the winter's over and the spring's started, so they go out and they see things in flower, they buy them. And they forget that they're all going to flower at the same time. And so even if you're not actually going to buy a plant today, if you went out to a nursery and had a look and saw what was actually in bloom... And think where
0: it might fit into that corner in your garden. Yeah, and remembering
1: that, you know, we spend a lot of time in our gardens uh, during the summer months, uh, so we want to see things looking pretty. Exactly, that's when you
0: sit out and finally relax and enjoy it for a bit. Yeah,
1: swatting mozzies and things, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, so go out and look at some plants today that are in flower and, and, and think about them for your own
2: garden.
0: Absolutely. We have to welcome back John Arnett. Good morning, John.
2: G'day, Pam. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Good, good. Welcome to 2017.
0: Yes, home. I know. Lots of plans for this year, John?
2: Uh, oh, yes, 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 indeed. Oh, he sounds enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. More things going on at Cranbourne. More things going on at Cranbourne. Oh, look, there's um, there's, a, there's, a kind of a, a rhythm to the start of the year, isn't there? There's New Year's, there's the cricket, the, the tennis um, Australia Day and then 3CR kicks in you know, yeah. the, the show. I'm, I'm glad you included us in <laughs> Yeah, list. no that's a part of the rhythm of the year <laughs> yeah. So the natural order of things has been retained <laughs> Oh, good, good Sunday mornings All's with well with shows. the world Yeah, Sunday mornings <laughs> A triple, a double five. It's great. Yep, fantastic.
0: We also have to say a very good morning to Chloe
3: Foster, and of course, Chloe, you're part of the Friends of Cranbourne group too. Good morning, Pam. It's good to see everyone this morning. Yep. Nice and bright-eyed and settling into 2017. Yep. And you're back at the zoo. Back at the zoo, propagating for butterflies. Yes, that's right. Trying to keep the butterflies alive. (laughs) (laughs) They're very hungry little things. Yeah, I can imagine. I like to eat a lot of food. But uh, yes, settling in in 2017. I, I can't believe it's 2017 now. I
1: can't believe it's already February. <laughs> I know. I know. You know. Yeah.
3: That's January, scary. January just sort of goes by, and you got you know you have a week or two off, and you go to the beach and hang out a little bit, and then you're like February. Right. Okay. What's happening this year? <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> the
2: business of the year. Commises. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I yep. get
3: stuck into it now. Yep. 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 Yeah. For sure.
0: John, you've had an amazing trip at the end of last year, which we're going to come back and talk to you about. Oh, good one. Yeah, Because nice. I want to hear all about it. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah. And, but it went well. Oh, it was
2: fantastic. We went to um, Brilliant. Northern Thailand on push bikes. It was, really, it was really great. Really yep, great. One but, push bike, wasn't uh, it? It was one push bike. <laughs> a, a ten, a, one bike, two people. <laughs> oh. Yep. Four legs. <laughs> Four legs. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly up some of those Chiang Mai hills. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that well, no, was great.
0: Oh, brilliant. Excellent. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. I'm going to hop straight into uh, some of the community announcements, as Stephen alluded to. We do have a few things coming up. Firstly, uh, of course, uh, February, first Sunday in the month, Villa Alba is open today. This is the uh, Historic House and the R.J. Hamer Heritage Garden. Now, it's open this afternoon from 1 o'clock through till 4 o'clock. Admission is $10, concession $8, children are free. Afternoon tea is available with a $3 donation. And uh, Villa Alba is at 44 Walmer Street in Kew. Melway's reference there is 44H6. Now, in conjunction with Villa Alba, they've got... Uh, a concert of Harp and Strings coming up on Saturday the 4th of March. So I'm I'm giving you advance notice of this one while I'm talking about Villa Alba, but it would be a glorious setting for a Harp and Strings concert. So this is coming up Saturday, 4th of March, 7 till 9pm. And uh, it's uh, Kath Connolly and Greg Hunt. They're a Melbourne-based instrumental duo. Uh, they've uh, had a decade-long collaboration showcasing casing, the best of Antipodean Celtic music. So uh, that would be a lot of fun. Now, admission for that one, tickets are $30, children free again. And uh, if you want to make more inquiries of that one, you can phone Sue. Her number is 98826292. That's 98826292. I've
2: heard them play. and they, They are absolutely divine. Brilliant! Yeah, absolutely. You you would go on the strength of. The I mean, that, that
0: that's perfect music for a garden setting. Absolutely
2: isn't it? splendid. Yep. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. What a treat that'll be! That'll, absolutely that'll be awesome.
0: Good. Um, Friends of Burnley Gardens have got uh, botanical art workshops coming up in February and March. Again, this is with Marlene Moore. She's uh, run these workshops each year over uh, the last few years now. Now the program consists of four sessions of two point five hours. Uh, The medium will be watercolour pencils, uh, small class size. Now, it's a special workshop for members of the Friends group and also the general public, and it includes the opportunity to have your botanical illustrations included in a soon-to-be-published book on Burnley Gardens. So there's incentive Mm -hmm. for any budding artists out there. Now, it's running on Wednesday the 15th and 22nd of February and then the 1st and 8th of March. Times are 10 till 12.30. Uh, The room will be available until 3pm for student use. Cost for the four sessions, members 200, non-members 240. Venue, of course, is Burnley Campus, University of Melbourne there at uh, 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. Um, There's parking at the rear car park. Now, bookings are essential now to book and payment must be made in full before Friday the 10th of February, which is why I'm mentioning it. Yes, it's not far off. Specifically today, it's not far off, so you need to get onto it if you want to go. So you can phone Janine. Her number is 0412 097 068. So 0412 097 068 to get more information and to book for that one. Uh, now, Fermi sent through an email to me about uh, what's coming up in uh, February. Um, and um, this, is, of course, is up with uh, Fernie Creek Horticultural Society. And one in particular I want to mention is that uh, on Saturday, the 11th of February, 2 o'clock, they're having their general meeting, but then their guest speaker is going to be a good friend, A.B. Bishop, And she'll be talking on why use native plants in your garden. So if you haven't heard AB speaking or if you'd like to uh, grab a copy of uh, her book that she co-authored with Angus Stewart on uh, the Australian native garden, that's Saturday the 11th of February at 2 o'clock. And uh, you can just turn up for that one. All everyone is welcome for that one. All right, uh, Warrubi Park Heritage Orchard. I did mention this at the end of last year because their summer grafting is back. Now, this is taking place on February the 19th, 10 a.m. through to 3 p.m., and uh, it's uh, stone fruit season, so uh, this is what they'll be offering with their grafting workshops. And uh, you choose a variety of heritage heritage fruit you'd like to grow And then one of the skilled members will graft it onto a new rootstock for you to plant at home. Now, uh, there'll be lots of other stalls and entertainment on the day as well. Um, The Kareni Gardens, hopefully, will be having a stall selling their plant varieties from the kitchen garden. There'll be local native plants and old-fashioned favourites from Werribee Park Gardens also for sale. Plus the usual edible weed walks. There'll be tours of the orchard, grafting demonstrations... And fruit trees for sale. Now, if you want to check out the website for a list of the varieties uh, that they will be ox- uh, offering, and also scion wood from all of these will be available. So the uh, website is orchard, all one word, that's au. Uh, so that's February 19th, 10 o'clock through until. Three o'clock. Uh, just one more I should mention. Uh, we were talking about music in the gardens. Well, uh, up at Cloud Hill, they've also had a series of summertime concerts, and uh, the next one is coming up, and uh, it's going to be uh, the Evergreen Ensemble. And part of that is of that ensemble is our good friend Simon Rickard, who uh, sometimes comes onto the program. So, uh, it consists of violin, cello, oboe and fiddle and Bassoon, and they'll be bringing you works from 18th century Scotland, uh, each piece inspired by a flower or vegetable with commentary by Simon along the way. So that would be great
4: fun. I, I think. hope they've got oh,
2: one about manglewurzels.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you
4: never know. <laughs> That'll
2: be Bonnie. We have the Rowan tree for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. yes.
4: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So
0: this is all taking place at Saturday the 25th of February, 6 o'clock, in the Green Theatre at Cloud Hill Gardens. Uh, admission: adults, thirty dollars; children up to sixteen years, twenty dollars. And uh, to book, you phone the gardens. Their number is nine seven five one one zero zero nine. That's nine seven five one one zero zero nine. Okay. Well, uh, it's time we invited our listeners to join us this morning. If you've been uh, sitting on a vexing question over the uh, the summer.
1: Hopefully, well, it's not too late. <laughs> Now's your chance.
0: Okay, that number is nine four one nine zero one double five. Nine four one nine zero one double five. In the studio this morning, we have Stephen Ryan, John Arnott, and Chloe Foster. So we'd love to hear from you, or if you just want to have a chat because we haven't been around for a little while, we'd love but if to you've hear. missed
2: us. We'd Absolutely. love to hear from you. Nine four
0: one nine zero one double five. John, let's get back to your trip first of all. Let's inspire a few people.
2: Well, I've, I'm just thinking. I've, I've, I'm, I can't stop thinking about this Scottish plant. <laughs>
4: oh, <right>. plant thing. <laughs> oh, oh, Okay. Yeah. Here so there's the rowan
2: tree. There's, yeah. there's got to be stuff about heather, the Bonnie Heather. Oh yes. And thistles and thistles. Yeah, there have to be. Uh, there have to be, have a, to have have to be thistles. thistles. Yes, yes. 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 There, there has there. to be something about Scots pines. You would think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you would.
1: You what you vegetables are particularly Scottish? I know a haggis is not a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't grow on trees. No, no, you can't get a haggis bush. <laughs> no. um, so, yeah, I'm not quite sure. No, um, no. You know, if it was in Ireland, you'd immediately think of praties uh, and things. Yeah, yes, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, in Scotland, I'm not quite sure. It's no. probably a turnip or a yeah, swede yeah, or something. Yeah, something <laughs> <sweet>. like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. It'd,
2: it'd be bonnie. It'd be bonnie.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no matter what. Uh,
2: opposite end of the world, We uh, yes. uh, me and my partner, Lisa, we cycled in late November... Early December for a couple of weeks in northern Thailand. We caught a train, um, second-class train, which was quite a cultural experience. (laughs) You survived. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, really uh, amazing. Uh, To a place called Utradid, which is about central Thailand, and then we cycled. Uh, Secured us route up until Chiang Mai, and we spent uh, about 10 days in Chiang Mai. And it was fabulous. It was uh, just... uh, Cycling is just such a wonderful way of seeing the countryside
0: Because you can really see the detail You can really see the detail yes.
2: You're going I think walking works too though Yeah, walking in does work yeah. Walking yeah. Yeah. does work You just work. can't get quite as far in a day No, no, exactly Yeah, I like to do
1: the walking ones yeah. that's, that's, that's me so I'm not, you, not you ter- and bicycles aren't no. no Well, see, I grew up at Mount Macedon And we were on a hill <laughs> yeah, That oh. was oh. Right. sort of very yes. precipitous And my mother would never let me buy a bike <laughs> uh, and I so, wonder why yeah. <laughs> yeah Well, I always figured I could get to school really fast But it would take me several hours to get <laughs> yeah, home But imagine Actually,
0: mightn't have got to school no, in one well, I piece. No, might not have.
1: But you know, so I never practiced on a bike as a kid. And I've been on a push bike a couple of times, but I just don't have the skills because right. I didn't do it when I was young. Yeah, sure. And so I'm always a wee bit nervous about two wheels. I have to say. Uh, so we, walking, we, I do we,
2: walking. We, we can get trikes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thought. I could do it on a trike.
1: It might look a bit naff, but I could do it on a trike. Oh uh, Anyway, getting uh, back to you. Sorry. Sorry.
2: It was lovely. Our. our, our um, tandem folds in, it, it collapses and we put uh, it into two suitcases. Oh, so, so we beautiful. actually took our own um, bike. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was, which was great. But the absolute highlight of the trip was not the, not the cycling leg, which, which was brilliant. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, the highlight of the trip was, it, it, it was Lisa and, and my 30th wedding anniversary. Oh, for Well for done. Yes. <laughs> um, and our, when we were, were in Chiang Mai, our kids said, keep this state free. Uh, We're going to buy you a gift. So the gift was to go up to a a Karen village, way, 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 way up in the hills, um, and spend a spend a day in uh, with four elephants in the wild. Mm. In the wild, they were trained elephants. So they they it's it's a it's an ecotourism thing which pays for um, animal welfare, a whole range of animal animal welfare things. So it's a bit of a you know it's a it's a ecotourism product. Yes, but my. God, what a day that was! Yeah, well, it was I'll absolutely bet. extraordinary. We we bounced in the back of this four wheel drive, you know, for a couple of hours, way, way, way into the jungle. They they said that there's tiger prints. Um, that they often see tiger prints in this country, really? so it's really, really, really okay. quite remote, uh, at a high altitude. Yep, um, Thai jungles.
1: So there you go. We're talking about the elephant in the room now. <laughs> <laughs> we
2: we stepped out of the four wheel drive and the mahuts are there and they've called the elephants and we hear this crash, 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 bang, and these four elephants oh, emerge out wow. of the bloody jungle. Oh, how it, fabulous! It was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. Then we went for a, a walk with the elephants, just following them into the into the bush and they were feeding on the jungle and you know doing elephant things, mm-hmm. natural elephant things. Had a bite to eat. Then the elephants went, in, and th- this would happen every day, or every time we yeah. have a group. We, mm. we went into a mud bath, and we were thinking we were going to watch the elephants. No. Oh no! Oh, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 we actually got in the mud bath, and we were throwing mud onto these elephants, rubbing it into their skin. And giving them a, a, a massage, a mud massage. That's amazing. It was incredible. Then they didn't
0: fill their trunk with
4: water and <laughs> give you oh, a Oh, yeah. No, the we were, we were from <laughs> muddy
2: from tip to top. mean. extraordinary. And then upper ridge down to this river and elephants into the river, us in the river, buckets, washing the mud off. It was just – it was incredible. Yeah, it was fabulous. the most wow. incredible experience. So the cycling was great. Yeah, but, but – that, But that day in a dipterocarp yeah. forest, it was uh, – Oh, really? It was, uh, oh. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it was a regenerating dipterocarp um, forest mm. you know, dominated by re- regenerating teak. Yep. And, you know, this is quite amazing. As the plants person, I was almost as interested as the plants as I was the elephants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, can, I can understand yeah, that. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I, yeah. I mean, when I went to Namibia years ago, people said, oh, you're going to see lions. you're going to yeah. see this, you're going to see that. And I said, no, yes, but they're I'm they're going to see a Welwitsia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you because know, that was really, actually, the reason for it <laughs> yeah. was to go to see a well yep. So you know the lions, and we did. We saw lions, and we saw you know yeah, giraffe right, and zebra, all yeah, those yeah, stuff.
4: whatever
1: animal <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but when we saw our first well when we were driving yeah, along, what a thing. And of course, Craig saw it first because I was driving, so I was trying to concentrate on right. staying on the road. <laughs> uh, so he was terribly excited that he was the one that spotted it first, uh, and it was so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, you know, oh, it's a plant that's... I'd read about when I was a student yeah. and never thought I'd ever see in the wild. What and... sort of – this is
2: desert. This oh, yeah. Desert? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's really sandy. There, There's wellwitsias, sand, and occasional dead-looking tussock. Okay. And that's virtually
2: it. Really? Yeah.
1: After so were the there and...
3: lots of them around?
1: Oh, yeah, but they, 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 they're they well-spaced, mm. okay. you know, because they have one of those root systems that goes out sort of through the sand and, yeah. and quite deep, so each plant needs a reasonable space. Um uh, so, yeah, they were sort of dotted all over the place. So we saw lots of them, and yeah. we saw the biggest one in, in Namibia. Oh, really? Which was huge. Uh, but apparently the biggest one in the world is actually in Angola. But we didn't go to Angola because apparently there's still quite a lot of yeah.
2: landmines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Well, uh, back to elephants, oh, though, no, and, no. and dipterocarp forests. So, dipterocarp forests. Yeah. And,
2: you know, it's, it's just so foreign to, um, you know, there's Wallace's line. And, you know, I understand a fair bit of stuff that happens below Wallace's mm-hmm. line. But above Wallace's line, it's just a completely different um, ecology, ecosystem, plant families. You know, now, so I was struggling to to. to you know, I could work out that that was a ginger and that was a... Yeah. That was a it's sort a, of fun, a, a, though, a, isn't it, to
1: be out of, you, it's, completely it's, out, it's of out of you, it. It's out of your depth. Yeah, I yeah. did the same in Madagascar. I stood in a forest and if somebody said, you're on Mars, I could have believed <laughs> yeah. it. Because you know, I, I really couldn't be confident about any of the plants no, I was looking you, at. No, you mm. might get
2: it to family. I was okay with Family, on yeah, I could get a lot of things yeah.
1: to family yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but genus was getting a little hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And species was impossible. Yeah, completely impossible.
2: For sure.
0: John, for the listeners, you need to explain Wallace's line.
2: Uh, Wallace's line, oh, c- c- God, can I do this? Um, it, <laughs> well, you, it, you started it, this, yeah, so you yeah, better uh, finish You're going to have <laughs> to finish. <laughs> uh, Wallace's line, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a geographic divide um, between, uh, I guess, Southern Hemisphere influences and uh, Northern Hemisphere influences, old world, new world. Um, uh, and, you know, the, it, it's black and white, the, the contrast in uh, flora, fauna, um, yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a biological line in the sand. Right. Well, yeah. Mr. Wallace runs... was pretty lucky to get a line <laughs> named after him. Then I reckon.
3: <laughs> do we know anything about him?
2: No, 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 no. Um, about now there's Wallace a bit of
1: googling I've, to done.
3: Yeah, yes, <laughs> I have googled. I think he was on some botanical expedition ship or something to do with maybe Banks or or Darwin so or something early like days. that. Yeah, re- early days. Right. And it doesn't. It runs through the. St- uh, Straight uh, near Bali,
2: the Torres Strait right. is it? The- no, no, the Torres no. Strait. So uh, our Lombok
3: Strait. Lombok Strait, mm. right. And then it runs. So you, you so you've got um, Australia, Papua New Guinea, Lombok to the right, and below, and then uh, sort of above it, you, you know, you go into in rest of Indonesia, Malaysia, and up through Thailand. Chloe's oh, on it. I think it's that's, good. that's mm. sort of the general gist of where the line goes. Sure. So, you know, Papua New Guinea has a couple of eucalypts. That yep. Grow there, yep. and a couple mm. of things that are sort of similar ish yep. yep. to tropical Australia, yep. and then once those you- tree
1: kangaroo things, <laughs> those yeah, <tree> kangaroo things. <laughs> yes.
3: yeah, and then, and then once you go over the Lombok Strait, I mean, between Bali and Lombok, I think you can catch a ferry almost. Like really? it's not a very long, and then the the flora totally changes, and that's when you get.
2: Dipterocarps. yeah Dipterocarps, yeah. which I
3: haven't heard of before <laughs> <laughs>
2: and that's you, you, you lose the uh the well, i mean there's motasi, but it's old fleshy right? right? rather than sclerophorous yep. um but i think there's it, it's significant for animals as well where you get a lot more mammal um monkey okay type, type mammals north of the line
0: yes, yeah makes sense yeah. Yeah, wow.
2: Yeah.
1: But isn't it nice to be outside your comfort zone? Oh, I it really that. is.
2: And I had a similar experience in the Kimberley when we went to the Kimberley, mm. you know, and, and as a native plant um, nutter, uh, that was another really quite – mm. well, I found that a little bit unsettling, I must say. <laughs> I was challenged and interested in, in the, the, the Thai jungle. Yeah. But it, being in Australia, looking at Australian plants and I didn't know one thing, all these deciduous things. Yeah. Because we were there at the end of the dry season. Yeah, so there's bare sticks it? and bear, it just
3: doesn't mm. seem right, does no. it? So you wouldn't no. be able to I- ID it either if there's nothing on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a
1: challenge if you yeah, get right. the <laughs> So, you know, we
2: talk about um, uh, Australia not having a diversity of deciduous flora. We don't have a diversity of winter deciduous mm. flora. Yes. There's just a huge diversity of deciduous flora in that monsoon band. Yeah. Yes, right. And, you know, yes, and, right. you know into the, uh, at the end of the long, hot summer, Many, many, many things, many different things were, were, were bare. Okay. They, they were bare wow. plants, yeah. A-
3: apparently, there's a lot of, or quite a few deciduous carimbias up around there. Deciduous heard.
2: carimbias? The,
3: some are deciduous. Wow. Yeah.
2: Are fully deciduous or semi
3: deciduous? Th- I'm not sure. I was speaking to a. Uh, a botanist at La Trobe University and her right. husband's done a lot of work. He's a botanist at Melbourne University. Right. Um, he's done a lot of work on Mertaceae and he's still doing a bit of work on Corimbia and Angophora. And right. they went on a trip up there and there's deciduous Corimbias up there. The, that's yeah. fantastic. Wow. That's
1: another thing that's really fascinating. When you, when you have a concept of a genus or a group of plants yeah. and then somebody says something that throws that – Completely into disarray. I read an article in the Plantsman magazine from England recently about dahlia species in Mexico, and there's a climbing dahlia. (laughs) Dahlia (laughs) mcdougliai. Excellent. And and I was completely surprised by that because I don't expect a herbaceous genus like dahlia to to throw up a climbing plant. Yeah. Yeah. And when something like that crops up at you, you it just sort of... Pulls you up and you think, my God, there's so much I don't know
2: yet. <laughs> yeah. The um, Auckland Botanic Gardens has got a – I've actually seen the um, uh, dahlia mcdougalii. Have you? Yeah, it's at the Auckland – They got Auckland, it at Auckland. It's they, the Auckland Botanic Gardens. I wish Gardens. they had it at Melbourne because I want one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the um, Auckland Botanic Gardens have got a fantastic collection of species dahlias. And really? they're gorgeous. Oh,
1: some of the spe- – the ones I've seen are really amazing. Beautiful. Fabulous. Small thing. flowers. Yeah, really pretty moment. little tiny flowers and things. Gorgeous, gorgeous plants. Mm. Gorgeous things. Yeah. Yeah, really, and really yes, beautiful. they sh- And they'd make – Fantastic garden plants if we could only get them out into Mm. cultivation. yeah, horticulture. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There we go. So it's Chiang Mai – yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're taking our own little tour.
2: (laughs) Namibia, Chiang Mai, (laughs) top end, Wallace's line, it's all happening.
0: (laughs) Was Chiang Mai the further north – where uh, north you
2: went? It, it was uh, on the bicycles. Yes. Uh, and then we had the, um, the four-wheel drive trip, which was northeast of Chiang Mai. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, a You couple, didn't make a it right hours. up
0: to
4: Thai-Burmese we're, border we were, or – We were
2: close – And to the hill tribe. Sorry, it was northwest. We were clo- really close to um, the Myanmar border. Ah, right. Yeah, hence the Karen, uh, the Karen village. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the, the little village that we went to, there would have been uh, six dwellings. Um, it was a time. That's a, oh, little little yeah. a little village. It's <laughs> a yeah. little um, village.
1: Almost doesn't require that sort of definition. <laughs> no, no. It'd be like
2: a family. Yes, it, yeah. it was a couple. Of, I think it was a couple of families. Yeah. And it, of course, it was their cool season. Yes, um, you know, cool being twenty eight. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: and bet they had woolly jumpers. Well, on they did. <laughs> the, the, the,
2: the Karen the Karen folk. There was um, my partner, Lisa, is a mothercraft nurse, and she's immediately attracted to, to to little babies. Yeah, and there was this. Um, young um, Korean woman with a tiny little, maybe two-week-old child, and it had the full beanie and the, all the woolen stuff on. And <laughs> wow! It was um, twenty-eight. It, at yeah, tw- at twenty-eight degrees. It was. Uh, it was just there. Was just so many layers to the trip. But but spending a day in the jungle with elephants was and their mahouts the was just yep. extraordinary.
1: Yep. So I hope you were effusive to your children when you got back about how oh, yeah. fantastic that well, was. Oh well, yeah. yes, 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 we've,
2: And we've got the three pictures in the frame. Oh, right. oh yeah. great. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah. It was really. It was really special. Yep. Yep. And thirty years saint lisa yeah. <laughs> yeah she's put up with you a lot
1: hasn't yeah, she? She, <laughs> you consider your
2: your job changes <laughs> yeah. and you know, all uh,
1: over the state practically uh, yeah, yeah exactly
2: uh good thanks lisa <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay back to gardening um elizabeth in frankston's rung in on the outside line <clears throat> she's got a salvia pale blue flowers um Going to seed and losing flowers and wants to know if she can cut it back now and it will come back well, or can, should she save the seeds?
1: All right. Well, we don't know what selvia, so that, no, that does mean right. anything we say has to be fairly general. Most selvias, though, once their flowering is over, yeah, cut them back. Mm. Yep. Uh, and certainly if it's one that has been a sort of a spring-summery flowering one, if you cut it back now, you'll get lots of regrowth. You may still have time to get a second flush, yep. uh, but in the meantime you'll get nice Foliage. Uh, most salvias are easier from cuttings and divisions, I find, mm. than to bother with seed. seed yeah. uh, I mean, you can if you want. I mean, it's fun to raise things from seed. I'm always throwing seed in, even if it's things I don't really need, just because I can. Mm. Um, can't help ourselves, can yeah. We? No, you can't. Yeah. You know, I, I always put in too many cuttings and I yeah. sow too many seeds. And I, yeah, and, and each
3: cutting, you know, it strikes roots. You're like, well, I don't want to throw it out now. Let's put all that energy into putting roots on. Yeah, and that's so right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: What am I going to do with thirty of them? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you could collect some seed, and yes, it can be fun to raise almost anything from seed, so I wouldn't discourage you from doing that. But yeah, if I had a selvie that was looking scruffy now, and had finished flowering, I'd be out there with the secateurs uh, and just hack it off at ground level. Uh, Don't leave stubs, because they always look untidy. Oh, they look so untidy. I don't know why people have to leave Bits at ground level, and Even that they're just much. the thing I trip over too. If I do, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you go tumbling yeah. into the garden bed yeah. because you trip over the stubs. Yeah. Uh, so clean it off neatly to ground level, uh, and then up it will come again. And I, if you pour a little bit of water into it, I'd, I'd say
2: in weeks mm. it'll be back. Mm. Yep. 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 yep,
0: And salvias really respond to pruning; they, they, they really oh, need well, it well, they every need year. It. They need it, yeah, 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 they do.
2: Even some of the short-lived you know, things that you might say bedding. Salvia, yeah. that, that you might keep for a, yeah, the sort of splendour and year, z splendid. <laughs> Yes. Yes, um, some of those blue-flowered, um, uh, short-lived, mm. but you can keep them going for a number of years. Yeah. Oh yeah, if you cut them back. Yeah, yeah. and yep. as long yeah. as you're
1: not living in frosty old Macedon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's yeah. that as well. Because I've tried a couple of those to see if I. Cause there's one called. Van eye, which is a lovely burgundy, yeah. whiny coloured one, which is just gorgeous. Mm. And it's supposed to be sort of semi-perennial, but yeah, I can't keep it through one year. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and it goes. Cold. So I've sort of given up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're going to be running through until 9.15, our usual time slot. In the studio this morning, we have Stephen Ryan, John Arnott and Chloe Foster, If you'd like to jump on the phones and give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. That number again is 94190155. Stephen, it's time we talked about some of the plants you've brought in this morning. Well,
1: I decided on a sort of a topic and I thought about heavy shade uh, as a possible topic. And I've got three plants I brought along today, one of which will grow in exceedingly dry shade, which is... Very useful. Very useful. Uh, and the other two will grow in heavy shade but require a little moisture. So we'll start with the one that will cope actually with the exceedingly dry shade. And this is the Alexandrian Laurel, Danae Racemosa. And it's a foliage plant, and that's what you grow it for. Its flowers are tiny, um, uh, it has little berries on it occasionally, uh, but it has these lovely sprays of foliage that come up uh, and sort of arch out. It's actually an evergreen perennial, it's not woody, uh, so you go through it periodically and cut the older stems out of it, uh, and it will grow probably in the driest, darkest shade you can find. Uh, and it's actually the thing, uh, I believe, that was actually used for laurel wreaths. Oh, really? As mm. opposed to proper laurels. Oh, right. uh, oh okay. Yes, yeah, so I read somewhere that uh, it was actually the thing that was they made the wreaths out of. I would top have of...
0: expected the leaf to be larger for that.
1: Yeah, well. Because it's
0: always pictured as yeah, very yeah, large leaves, mm. isn't it? I think
1: people take poetic license. Yeah, well, they must do. It's like that, that, that well-known <laughs> image of all of the Australian settlers sitting around a primrose. And And the primrose looks like a cabbage, you know, know, and they're all going, oh, England, old England. Um, So Danae is one of those plants, I'd I'd seen it growing in the botanic gardens in Melbourne. Uh, I'd seen it around a wee bit, but I hadn't seen it commercially available anywhere. And so it took me a while to sort it and source it. Uh, It's comparatively slow growing, but then most things that will cope with really dry shade are in fact steady, slow doers. They don't rush away as mm. a rule. Uh, it's foliage picks <coughs> superbly. If you want branches of something to use for floral arrangements, it nice. lasts in water for months. Nice. Um, and it's in the asparagus group, so it's... it's so I was ah, going to say,
2: is ah. it, it's, it's in the asparagus group. Yeah, yeah. 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 So... Um, so it's a lily.
1: Yes, it's a lily sort yep. of – well, yeah. I guess it's asparagusy now, Asparagaceae. not lilyaceae yeah, 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 or yeah. whatever, yeah. you know, with all of these family changes. The it'll change going next to. week. Yeah, you're <laughs> probably back to lilyaceae. <laughs> yeah. Uh But um, I actually have a great soft spot for some of the really interesting plants within that group, uh, like ruscus and their... – Sarcococca? cocker is another one. is cool. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I've got a thing in the garden called um, – smelly androgyny which comes from the Canary islands and it gets big leaves and the flowers sit around the e- or big i should say phyllodes yeah. yeah and the flowers sit around the edge of it there's uh, oh, really? a little thing around the edge of the leaf wow. or phyllode uh, and it's a it's a scandent sort of plant it will climb up things um and I'm off to the Canary Islands in May. Yes. Oh, what? For a week's walking. Really? Uh, on La Gamera. Oh. Um, and I'm hoping I'll see an, uh, a simile androgyny in the wild somewhere. Because yeah. I saw it growing years ago in a garden in Ireland, and I thought, I want that plant, I want that plant.
2: So it's like a mul and beckia? No. Uh, no.
1: No, it's 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 sort of, what's it more like? It's sort of more, it grows like one of the climbing asparagus as yeah. we grow. okay. So it just sort of weaves itself around things. Uh, it's... Fellows are quite large. They'd be sort of, when well, the old measurement's at least two and a half inches long okay. by about an inch wide. And leathery. Yeah, leathery, uh, glossy green mm. things. Uh, and I got one through a friend of mine whose source I have no idea how he got it. Uh, but I got one about four or five years ago, and it's now starting to clamber up through a prunus I've got in the garden at home. Nice. And the one in Ireland I saw was up about five, six feet or so, mm. uh, growing up against a wall. Uh, and with these little tiny cream flowers all the way around the edges of the philode. it was a really, really interesting plant. And being androgyny, it probably means that it's self-pollinating. self-pollinating. Yeah. yeah, so I'll yeah. be able to hopefully get seed from it in due course. But anyhow, the Danae, uh, getting back to it... Uh, probably will get to about a metre to a metre and a half in height. And because it stems sort of arch outwards, it probably fills an area about the same. Uh, but it's slow. You've got to be patient with it. So, uh, But I think it's a charming foliage plant. Lovely. Um, it's tough as, and yet from what I can work out, it has no weedy potential at all. Uh, and uh, uh, we nearly all have a seriously dry, shady spot mm, in the garden yeah. somewhere. And Definitely it can be really everyone. hard to find a plant that will will not only grow in it. Well, nature will throw a few plants in there, but they're probably things we don't want in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but to have a really attractive foliage plant for those sort of really hard spots. I mean, I would plant that underneath the big, um, heavy foliaged plant, sort of something that's got foliage like, say, a Pytosporium angulatum. It would uh, deal a, with that. Yeah, it would deal with that. Wow. Uh, with the roots growing through and on a bank. Wow. Whoa. So I big I'd be, call, Stephen. It's a big call, but I would do it, and I'd do that with Ruscus as well. Ruscus sure. would do it as yeah. well. Yep. Um, and so they're remarkable plants for and, and you'd plant them, water them in and then never go back.
3: That sounds like a good plant.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think they're amazing. So Well
3: it's got well, beautiful the foliage on it is beautiful. It's it really is. shiny it's and lovely. dark it's, green. Yeah.
1: They're, and I don't need flowers on some plants, mm-hmm. I have to say. As much as I enjoy having flowers in the garden all year round, some plants are just I don't know, classy just by the look of them. Yep. Um, and I've got three Danae in the garden at home now that I planted about four years ago, and they're sort of in a little triangle underneath. a. Well, They're, they're actually growing in the roots of a big, huge um, hazelnut tree. Right. Um, uh, facing south in my garden, they don't get any sun. They're growing with a clivia. <laughs> right. Um, and, yeah, when I look over the front veranda, there they are with these lovely archy stems, and they just sit there looking nice the whole time.
2: If you Mm. triple-planted, would it go indoors?
1: I think it probably would. A lot of these things with really glossy leaves, I reckon, actually make quite good indoor plants. I've used Agathus robusta as an indoor (laughs) plant. (laughs) Um, And um, uh, Acubas, of course, have that sort of glossiness about them, and they work quite well as an indoor plant. So if you find something with a really thick sort of glossy... Hardish leaf, they yeah. often will, yeah. and i don 't see any reason why dana wouldn 't actually no. make quite a good indoor plant. You might have to dust it occasionally,, sure. um, mm. but it would go down to quite low light levels, so yes it 's a plant i 'd probably recommend for yeah. people to have a crack at because yeah. uh, most of the things we grow as indoor plants tend to be things from the tropics yeah. that's right um, sure, and that 's all very fine, um, but you know if your house gets a bit cool in the winter or you know you get really high fluctuations in temperature, you actually are better off with something that actually will go into the cooler side of things. So, yeah, so Danae could easily become a good indoor plant because it's slowish growing. It's not going to fill a pot in any hurry. Um, And they don't have a big root system, so uh, funnily enough for something that grows in dry shade. Uh, So they don't need a particularly large pot either. So Mm. Danae, D-A-N-A-E. Well, that's Uh, a new one to me. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those plants that's been on my radar for a long, long time, and this year's the first year I've really had some uh, to do something with. And uh, all I need now is for the variegated one to arrive. Uh,
4: (laughs) Speaking of which, (laughs) I you go, my own segue. (laughs) Uh,
0: Stephen, I'm sorry about the segue. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to save it. All right,
1: we'll use it for later. We
0: we have our first caller online. So we're going to go to Sue, who's out in
5: uh, Narry Warren. Good morning, Sue. Oh, good morning and a Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you. Same to you. Um, I, I just want to make a comment about what Stephen was saying about salvias from seed. I grow, I've grow. i got a lot of salvias. Mm-hmm. Most I propagate from cutting, but I'm not very good at cutting back when I should. <laughs> <laughs> and And I think I've got eight or nine or a dozen Nemorosas in my gravel path.
1: Oh, yes, you would have with Nemorosa.
5: Which, it's too hot to dig them out and transplant it, so I'll wait till autumn and then I'll shift them somewhere else. So, um, yeah, no, they're really easy to grow from. Oh, yeah, I wasn't
1: suggesting they weren't, but uh, generally speaking, the simplest way to produce a new one is from divisions or cuttings, I find.
5: Yeah, yeah, well, I I do cuttings and, and I actually argentia which is the big fluffy leaf one and i was going to pull the seed pods off and i thought now it's hanging on the gravel i'll just do my usual trick with that Yep. now my question is a, well not question a comment uh fruit trees my plums this year um, i got a blood plum and two japanese uh, english plums european whatever no plums
1: mm. Has
5: anybody else had that trouble they or? flower well um, yes,
1: they yeah. did. Yeah, it's, it's probably due to climatic conditions at flowering time.
5: Yeah. I mean,
1: both of my plum trees in the garden at home, I've got a Santa Rosa, and I can't remember what the other one is, uh, but they're, they're cross-pollinating plums, so they're normally fine. But I got very low fruit set this year, and I think at the time they were in flower, uh, there was probably, I don't, I don't really remember, but I'm assuming that there was probably some really cold, miserable weather or no something, bees. and the bees weren't
5: out. Yeah, well, you know, because I've got salvias, I've got lots of bees.
1: Yeah, but not necessarily yeah. at the right time for the plums.
5: Yeah, and, and uh, I've got two... My kitchen smells very peachy at the moment because I have got, the you know, quite a few peaches, but not as many as last year. Yeah, but yeah look, it, it, you
1: can nearly always pin it down to to what the climate was doing at yeah. the time and, yeah. and and to lack of pollination. Uh, and, of course, your peach flowers at a slightly different time to your plums, so you may well have had a slightly better weather pattern just Co- at the time they were out. A yep.
2: couple of sunny days.
1: Yeah, and that's all you need. I mean, it doesn't need to be weeks of balmy weather, uh, but a couple of slightly sunnier days, a little bit warmer. It'll bring the bees and other pollinators out, uh, but then you get a cold snap again and they all disappear, and that's when the other one flowers.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even my next-door neighbour, she said... She She's got hardly any plums, so that must have been what happened this year. Yeah, yes, I'm okay, sure it was.
1: Sorry. My plums aren't great this year, um, only a handful of fruit on each. Mm.
5: Yeah, mm. well, I had three. Yep, my up. apple
1: tree's groaning under apples.
5: Yeah, well, mine look horrible because they got black scabby stuff on oh. them.
1: Oh, no dear. Uh, and I
5: don't know what to do about that, but... Uh, we Nothing
1: now, it's too late. <laughs> I
5: know, but we live near Montague's and they, because they, you know, put, stuff all over their apples because they produce them for the market. So all the rainbow lorikeets come down to us and eat all the
1: apples well (laughs) they've got to get something from somewhere i
5: know (laughs)
1: although i do object to the fact that the my darling feathered friends tend to get everything instead Mm. of me getting some yes yeah Yeah. you don't mind
2: sharing a bit no you don't
1: (laughs) Uh, even with the sulfur crested crocatoos that drive me insane because they also break the branches off and just drop them on the ground Yeah, Mm. and drop Mm. them on the ground yes Yes. and you think i don't mind sharing but i don't (laughs) want you to completely bugger up my no, trees. No. I know,
5: yeah, we have those. We, we feed the king parrots, but then the others come and when we're feeding the king parrots, we one of us has to stand out there with this huge water pistol to... <laughs> water pistol? <laughs> <laughs> to, um, you know the ones that we don't like, we just give them a bit of a squirt with water.
1: Well, when the (laughs) king parrots come in at my place and they do this periodically, I go out and hand feed them because they just land on the front veranda rail and so I just have a handful of seed and they have a few bits and then off they fly and the other birds don't get any. The dog actually cleans up all the seed that lies on the (laughs) ground afterwards. Oh, okay, yeah, no, we can just
5: about do that with the king and, yeah, yeah, we've got a whole family and, uh, yeah, they're really good. Okay, so everybody's plum trees will be... yeah,
1: And there'll be somebody who'll ring in and say they've had a bumper crop but you of know course. but you know that's the way these things work yeah, yeah.
5: okay then thanks okay bye,
2: bye. I, mean, I guess the thing with seed as well is that you're likely or there's a possibility that you're going to get some variation which is really quite good
1: yeah oh mm-hmm. it can be great fun yeah. I mean you can have that new hybrid that you obviously through uh because of immodesty wouldn't name after yourself no. but you know <laughs> you, you you could name it after a family member or or something yeah. and have the next best thing that comes out on the market. Who knows? So seed raising is fun for that reason because you can get that genetic diversity and you're never quite sure. I mean, some plants are so stable that it would be amazing to get any real variation, but some plants will throw all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, And it can be, well, it can be rubbish, but it it can be really quite good, you know, and you can end up with something nice like that. Mm. Camellia that, Malcolm Fraser raised that, you know, he named after Tammy. Uh, so, you know, and that was out. I don't know whether it's still out there commercially. I don't really know whether it kicked off or not. But, you know, Malcolm produced this big flouncy pink number that he, he named after Tammy, yeah. and that's sort of fun. Yeah, yeah, of yeah, course. It is. I've got a dahlia in a canner named after me. That's I think right. That's fun. How have you got a dahlia? What's yes, it called? it's called Daily Day Stephen, Stephen Ryan. Ryan. Really? Yeah. And is it's 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 virginal white, sort of singleish, self supporting, slightly scented, I mean, um, <laughs> and very floriferous.
5: <laughs> well, <laughs> so, look, parts of that work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just pretend it all does. Um,
1: <laughs> and my canner is really tall and soft cream. I <laughs> <laughs> don't quite understand why somebody mm. hasn't named something red after yeah, 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 yes, you know, Yes, yes,
0: give it time yeah, yeah. We'll put
1: the call out there <laughs> Yeah, that's right, Yeah, somebody who might breed, a, I don't know, a Stephen Ryan Selvia maybe, that'd be a bright yeah, colour Yeah, that'd be good, be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, Yes, it's sort of funny having a plant named mm. after you yeah. um, And actually the dahlia was fun Because it was bred by Chris Michaelopoulos Who was the president of the Victorian Dahlia Society Now okay. retired, I think yeah. And I'd seen this dahlia Chris was doing a talk on his breeding program At a dahlia conference that yours truly was that uh and um uh i said oh i like that sort of singly white seedling you've got there and his breeding program was to try and bring scent into dahlias; so that okay. was his thing okay. uh, and there is a slight scent if you lock yourself in a cupboard with a handful of flowers um <laughs> and um he came up to me about six or eight months later and said uh, do you mind if i name it after you and you can have all the world stock and he actually registered it with the pertinent authorities in England, so it's it's a registered cultivar. Okay. okay. Um, and he gave me all of my dahlia and then I was under the Pressure to make sure I kept it you going kept and to going. get it oh, yeah, out yeah. there. Is it still
2: alive? Still going? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a big batch of them this year, um, and I've got friends who have Stephen Ryan growing in their garden, and they make all sorts of fun jokes, like "Oh, something ate your buds off last night," <laughs> and um, and one friend had a seedling come up in his garden off Stephen Ryan, which he called "spawn of Stephen." <laughs> 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 uh, so yes, you can have an awful lot of fun with uh, with things like that. So, oh, that's really yes, great. and yeah, I've got another friend mm. who's got daily Stephen Ryan in his garden, he says that bloody thing, it's everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was gonna was going to say promiscuous, but yeah, no, yeah. that would be right. No, it just moves around
1: a lot, you know, it won't stay at home. So, yeah, so it can be fun. Oh, uh, okay. that's really good.
0: You are listening to the 3CR gardening show. We have Stephen Ryan, John Arnott, and Chloe Foster in the studio this morning. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to hear from you. That number 9419 Zero one double five nine four one nine zero one double five. Before we move back to the plants, Chloe, yeah. um, Friends of Cranbourne have got their very first uh, illustrated
3: talk coming up for the year. Yeah, we do. So later on this year, it's already booked out, unfortunately. But we're running a, a tour to WA in spring <gasps> to look at the wildflowers.
1: Actually, should have done it this year. Apparently, or I this know. last spring. Well, I heard I it was it's, fantastic. It's wet
3: over there yeah. at the moment, so I think it's going to be another another, another good, good spring year. year. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, hopefully. Hopefully it's just as good as last time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so in the lead up to that um, the the guy who's running the tour is going to, going to be giving a talk. About the West Australian wildflowers, so um, so he's
0: going to come and inspire everyone, and then the tour's booked out. Yeah, yeah. oh
3: great! Yeah. yeah, we might have to run another one. In a you might have time,
1: to. I think. I think you might have to <laughs> yes. because it's not fair. It's like going into a nursery overseas, <laughs> know,
4: like
3: dangling of <laughs> yeah, yes. someone. You can't have it.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> So John Thompson, who is um, a member of the Friends oh, here, he's also um, president of the Australian Plant Society in the south southeast. southeast yep. Yeah, um, he will be uh, giving the talk and leading the tour. So he'll just be—he's an excellent photographer. He's been over to, to WA um, a million times before, so he's got some absolutely beautiful flowers. He's just going to be talking about West Australian wildflowers for an hour and a half. Yeah, I mean,
1: could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> yeah,
3: we'll have afternoon tea afterwards. Um, yeah, so if if anyone is free on Sunday the nineteenth of February, um, two until two thirty at in the Australian Garden at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens in the auditorium there in the auditorium. Yep. Yeah. And
1: I guess if you can't go on the tour, at least you can see the plants. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah. sort of live vicariously yeah. through the that's, that's through right. the slideshow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
3: John's photos are—he's a fantastic photographer, so he's his photos are beautiful. Yeah. And he's got—he's a real plant nut, so he's got—he's mm. seen a lot of you know the really rare, special, endemic WA flora. Mm. Um, his big
2: thing is the trigger plants. Yes,
3: yeah. yeah. Well, he they are amazing tricks. over yeah. there, aren't they? I've yeah. seen
2: some of the WA
1: trigger plants. Not in they get WA, but quite here, big, yeah. some of them over there, and really interesting colours and strange forms and. Yeah. They're yeah, really great. Keep you amused
3: for hours just sitting there yeah. with a yeah. pen and like yeah, yeah, pushing on it. the flower yeah. and yeah. setting it off. And then I'm not I'm really sure
1: you don't in. give your trigger plant a nervous breakdown
4: eventually. <laughs> <but Yeah.
3: laughs> so, cost, Chloe? Cost, yes, Pam. Um, for friends members, it's $20. For non members, it's $25. And we've got a $10 for students. Great. Yeah. So, I mean, the auditorium can take however many people. So, we'd love so to see So, there's no need there. to pre book or anything? Well, you do need to pre book. Okay. Um, you can. Go on to our website, um, I can't remember it, RBG yep. um, or you could contact Roger Elliot, who a lot of listeners probably know. Contact Roger no, Elliott we've never on met him before. <laughs> <laughs> his his phone number is eight double seven four Two four eight three. If you want to get any information or if you have any questions, and he can email you out a booking form. Perfect. Excellent. Yep. Okay.
2: In- inland Australia. We're just talking about the west having some, some rainfall. Inland Australia, the uh, the volume of rain which has fallen over the centre mm. and much of yes. um, the kind of the Arizona has been it's phenomenal. Been extraordinary. Over the last they,
3: they had five hundred mil of rain in January. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so outrageous. What? Yeah, it is. Alice
2: Springs has had more rain than Melbourne. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Absolutely extraordinary, and consequently the desert. Yeah. You know, it's a red desert, They're, you know, the, 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 the red outback. It's a green Oh, so outback. does
1: that mean people are disappointed when they <laughs> go out there now?
2: Where's the red <laughs> yeah. sand? Yeah. This, is, this doesn't look like a desert. This is wildflowers yeah. to the horizon. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, Actually, it does raise an interesting point, though. Um, it's fantastic to see something like that happen, but is it potentially a problem for some of our native plants if they get so much rain?
2: Look I think a lot of a lot of I mean the strategies of Australian native plants to adapt to dry uh, 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 uh you know to be wiry and scleriferous and you know have really deep root systems and um you know long lived perennials there, I think they're fine. It, the interesting thing is that a lot of them are uh opportunists and mm. ephemerals. Yeah. So there's just this huge what they'll do is they will do with this huge reservoir of seed um mm sitting in the soil for the next 100 years. Yeah. I think it's potentially... Look, if that continued on, mm. potentially that would be... Yeah, it would be a problem a, a, because an suddenly you've turned
1: a, yes. a desert into maybe something subtropical something, something, or something, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that could have an impact on the flora. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yes, the once-off occurrence every so often Yeah, I Yeah, I
2: just think it... it oh, look, I don't know mm. the, the, you know, the, the deeper ecological... If, I mean, if it kept going, that would be mm. something other. Mm. Yeah, uh, that would change it then. But I, there, but I think all those annuals and wildflowers and short-lived, mm. short-lived things, there'd be just a huge volume of seed mm. dis- dis- distributed into the soil.
3: And because it's so sandy and rocky, the water isn't going to hang around. Yeah, they'll so run away. So their roots aren't going to be sitting mm. in water for the no. next six months. It'll yeah. run away, mm. you know, as, as soon as it stops raining, really.
2: Um, a friend of mine was uh, up there and they sent me some photographs of Tylotus to the horizon mm, you know, so mulla, mulla mulla the pink, really? the pink yes, mulla mulla yes. The, the, you know the big the extraordinary wow you want to pat those yeah. <laughs> 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 they're like a pet <laughs> so, so patting the mulla, mulla to the horizon yeah the big, Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah, spend so yeah, so yeah, <laughs> <been> all day <laughs> just
1: working my way around patting this one and patting
2: <laughs> and that one and in the west just triggering all the trigger plants
1: yeah, so <laughs>
3: yeah. well you've got to have something to do <laughs> <laughs> my, my parents are actually going to the Kimberley in May this year right. Um, my brother's travelling around Australia this year in a okay. troopy with his girlfriend, and oh, they're, nice. they're in May. They'll be in the Kimberley, and I am so jealous. <laughs> There's going to be so much new growth and yeah. things flowering when they're there. It will be absolutely incredible, and because they've had this super-duper wet season, yeah, it'll just be it'll be beautiful. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. So
1: the crocodile's going to have moved down south. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: in, the, in the swollen rivers. Yeah, yeah. that's right, yes.
1: <laughs> Oh, look, there's a croc. What's that doing here at Alice Springs? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear.
0: Okay, back to the plants. Oh, yes,
1: yes. And and my segue, I'll remind people, was variegation. (laughs) Yes. Um, Mm. This one will galvanise people into different camps. It's a plant called Persicaria virginiana variety filiformis painter's palette. Um, And... The name is actually quite good. Yeah, it's good uh, because it has quite large leaves. It has a V-shaped chevron-type thing through each leaf that's a sort of a rich coppery brown, and then it's got creamy mottled, splotchy variegation all over the place. Um, it's a herbaceous perennial. It actually sort of semi-evergreen in frost-free areas, uh, but at Macedon I just cut it down in the winter because it starts looking scruffy. Uh, Will grow to about. Oh, 600 mils, maybe a meter, eventually, if it's got enough moisture. It's fairly shade tolerant. It doesn't like to be deadly dry, um, but it's one of those great plants if it needs a drink, it wilts. Yeah. yeah. I like plants that do that because yeah. they remind they tell you. Yeah. yeah, and you water it, and 20 minutes later, it's standing <laughs> up again. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, it makes a great pot plant. Uh, and because the variegation is sort of hectic and, and splotchy, a friend of mine once suggested it looked like somebody thrown up. Um, oh. But I take a slightly different view on some of these variegations because, in a shady spot, variegations will often be quite useful just to bring a bit of light. Into an area, it looks like sunlight's coming in from somewhere, and certainly the irregular variegations do that quite well in a sense. Mm. I mean, the, the more organised variegations don't look like that particularly. No. Um, so, painter's palette might not be to everybody's um, uh, taste, but even the green leaf form with the brown chevron in it is actually quite good. Uh, and there's actually one with an extra wide chevron in the in the leaf called Lance Corporal which I quite like. <laughs> I like the name. I mean, yeah. You know, somebody's thinking this through. Yeah. Uh, and it was a bit interesting to name it that way. Um, so – and they do flower, but the flowers are sort of not that important. They get these little spikes of mm, tiny, spikes, whitey yeah. flowers with a slightly pinky calyx behind it. Yeah. Uh, they're pleasant but not exciting, and they flower very late in the season, so if I get a heavy frost early enough, uh, they rarely will flower in those seasons because they get knocked about. Um, Funnily enough, it comes true to seed. Really? Yeah, oh, it's one of those variegations. You sow seed of it, and almost every seedling will come up variegated. Really? And that's not something you sort of expect from no, variegated no. plants. Yeah. So I could,
2: I, I have to jump. So even the seedlings look sick. Yes, <laughs> that's yeah. but they do,
1: I've got some germinated at the moment. Um, uh, quite a lot of them, actually, so this is a plug for (laughs) Persicaria painter's palette. Uh, They're only tiny little tubes at the moment. Um, But when they first germinate, they come up and their first two or three true leaves don't seem to be variegated at all, and then it starts to happen. So every plant starts to variegate once it gets to, I don't know, about two or three centimetres high. Um, And so far, I've never raised a green one from the variegated ones. Is that
4: right? And
1: that's sort of something, I remember in school when I was learning my horticulture, they'd say, you know, variegation, you know, you've got to raise them vegetatively because they don't throw true to seed. But there there are in fact a number of plants that in fact will throw variegation from seed and I don't quite understand the processes or why. Mm. Uh, There must be a reason for it. Maybe it's not as virus induced as some other variegations. Mm. I don't quite know why it would be, mm. but certainly this particular plant will throw variegated seedlings. Yep. Uh, and if you're growing in the garden in a somewhat moist aspect, uh, you'll get the odd seedling that'll pop up in the garden as well. Never seems to produce vast quantities of them. It's easy to strike from cuttings as well, uh, and of course a big clump can easily be lifted and divided in the winter. So yep. uh, if you do like painter's pellet, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't have oodles of it.
4: Yep.
1: <laughs> so, But it's an interesting plant, and something, something different, and as I say, it does galvanise people. People will either love it or hate it. Uh, there's not many people that are actually amb- ambivalent about it. They either do love it or hate it. Yeah. And in a, in a way, that's actually quite good because it then creates conversation and people sort of get into things. I mean, if your garden's full of standard iceberg roses, box hedging and white gravel, the best anybody can say of that is, isn't it neat? Mm. Yeah. It won't create conversation or no, no. interest. In, I'm I- quite happy to have a plant that people go, ooh, that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, that is disgusting. (laughs) So there you go. My point is
1: made. Um, I
2: I, I completely missed the variegated
1: appreciation. Yeah, some people did. I mean, I didn't like them for quite a long time. I think some plants you start off hating and then you eventually come around to, and it depends on how they're used. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, canners are a perfect example. People see them as those big, vulgar things, and you see them in municipal plantings where they're like conventional. Yeah, well, there you go because they grow well in In gutters, gutters, Um, and of course, any plant that can do those things is bound to get a bad reputation. Yeah, but. Christopher Lloyd reinvented the canner in England Mm. and used it in his tropical garden, and instead of having this indigestible mass of canners in all different colours and forms, they were used as what they should be, and that is feature plants in amongst other forms, textures and what have you, and they look stunning. Spectacular. You know, the the way he used them and the colour of the canner combining with the colour of the other plants around, and it just lifted the whole plant into a a new level, and I've become seriously canner-oriented again. Mm. Uh, and you do, I mean, I, I, when I was a kid, I think I, was, I must have been 18 or 19, I got a dahlia craze happening, uh, and I met this old guy up in, that comes from Echuca, oh, he's gone years ago, I should imagine, Ed Brown, he was probably 85 then, right. um, and he was one of those dahlia breeders that did the square beds and the in the steaks oh, yeah, and things, yeah. and he grew the dahlias for the show bench, yeah. and... I went up to open a flower show at Rochester uh, and Ed Brown's dahlias were all out there and somehow or another I walked out of the place having ordered 100 tubers. (laughs) 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 And so for a few years I got really excited and then I went, those vulgar old things. Uh, But I've really gone full circle and, and now I'm actually enjoying... Some dahlias again. I love yeah. the tree dahlias. I think they're fantastic yeah, plants. Beautiful. Uh, and I'm not overly fond of the great big sort of
2: dinner plate ones. Dinner plate One. ones,
1: but I think the ponpons are really nice. The single dahlias are lovely. Uh, the dark leaf dahlias are fantastic. Mm. Yep. So you can come around to these things, and I think a lot of people do grow back towards variegation as well, yeah. except for those who are terribly tasteful. Mm. Because they are seen as vulgar, <laughs> <laughs> so they're terribly tasteful people. Uh, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not tasteful. <laughs> yeah. I like a bit of honest vulgarity in the garden.
3: <laughs> I think uh, variegation, variegated foliage, belongs in a dark, shady corner. Yeah. That's mm. in the back of your garden. Yeah. Because it just—it's it, that little pop of colour. I don't think I could do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, come just, on now.
4: Just, <laughs> it's aversion the therapy.
3: Sick. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just look sick. But I know I was telling you guys before in the Australian. Native garden at Royal Park yeah. there is a variegated laphostoman, mm-hmm. um, the water gum, I think it's a common yeah. name is uh, in, in amongst, you know, all their other gum trees and on the lawn, and it is a dark, shady spot when it's surrounded, surrounded by all those other trees, and it is a very bright light. It's a very it's,
1: strong variegation, it is that a very, is that that very That, that one is very strong, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm, yep.
3: And I thought, oh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. See, it is how you use a plant. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I've never had a passion for golden diosmas, funnily enough, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure they can be used well. I just can't be bothered trying. No. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so anyhow, so the persicaria, yeah, Yes, people will love it or people will hate it. Um, But in a sense, I still see it as a useful garden plant. Uh, And yes, if all else fails... You know, buy, the <laughs> yeah, buy the other
2: one. Yeah, buy yeah. <laughs> yeah. the other one. Maranoa Gardens has got a a variegated lofostamin at their northern entrance, mm. and, and it's it's spectacular. Mm. It is mm. it is completely spectacular. How stable is it? That's the only other thing oh, I worry yeah, no, about. Throw, with, it does throw quite a bit of green. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't mind things that aren't stable if they're small yeah. because mm. I can deal with them with a pair of secateurs, yeah. but if it's a 40-foot tree and a yeah. big green bit shows up yeah. in the top, yeah. uh, that starts to look leprous for me, yeah. like and, and that then that I yeah. don't want to really climb up there either and deal with it, yeah, so... Some of the aces are a bit that way. Aren't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, and you yeah. uh, so I sort of avoid planting big trees that are variegated unless I know they're that they're pretty stable because yep. uh, there's nothing worse. Well, except of course there's always the opportunity of bringing in the handsome young tree surgeon I suppose But um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> for those who need a handsome young tree surgeon um, but um, I wouldn't climb the tree to deal with it no. and, and yet it would annoy me beyond yeah. bounds yeah. Yeah, yeah. if I had a big green yeah. patch.
2: Uh, talking about annoying beyond bounds and variegation, when I worked at Director of the Geelong Botanic Gardens, the staff knew that I had this. Yeah, this variegation term. Thing. And do you know what they planted out the front of my office? <laughs> what? <laughs> All of these variegated plants. Oh! <laughs> oh. A variegated uh, did- Dianella, a variegated hibiscus. <laughs>
1: Was, were that they was trying just, to tell you something, Joe? They John? were having yeah. a go. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, see, there's humour in gardens, aren't there? <laughs> I quite like that, yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, uh, it was okay. It was yeah, okay. But variegations, I do think, are those sorts of things that you need to use generally with discretion. I mean, a whole variegated border would be frightening. Oh, yeah. oh no. Yeah. But, you know, an odd variegated plant, it's like gold foliage plants or burgundy foliage mm. plants or any sort of non-green mm. foliage plant, um, yeah they need to be used as highlights, Highlights. not as a whole border. I mean, if you go all purple in the garden, you might as well become a goth. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you've got this this sort of dark, sort of light-absorbing thing going. Comes with heavy eyeliner. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. heavy eyeliner, yeah, and and Doc Martens, I think. (laughs) (laughs) and um, And
4: Ripped fishnet stockings. Oh, yes,
1: of course, yes, yes, all that stuff, even for the boys. Yes. Um, So you do have to be careful how you use coloured foliage.
2: Yeah. and a lot of tropical gardens don't do that using colour foliage and variegation with discretion. A lot of them now, are it really. It sort of
1: works in the tropics better, though. Yeah, it There's c- something it about. Does. I, I think it's probably all the pina coladas. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but you, you go into a tropical place and you expect to see crotons sort of yeah, yeah. all coloury everywhere. And yeah. um, and what's those beefsteak plants? I can't remember what they're called. Uh, oh, califers. A- califers, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and you've got all these weird colours everywhere, yeah. and, you know, banana leaves yeah. and gingers and things. And. There's something sort of exciting about it. You want to rush in, grab your leopard skin lap-lap and swing through the trees. <laughs> but you, I don't think you can get away with that sort of thing here. No. Apart from the fact you'll turn blue in the winter if you put on your lap-lap. Well, don't, <laughs> don't forget
0: too, you've got so much lush growth in the tropics yeah. that you're getting automatically, you're getting your filtered dappled. Yeah, you, you
1: do get that yes. sort of shade. So it,
0: it yeah.
3: suits the environment. And there's yeah.
1: something sort of exuberant about the tropics that you can. I think you can wear the Hawaiian shirts even.
3: It must be the heat exhaustion <laughs> or something. You're a bit loopy anyway. Uh, <laughs> it could be
1: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's gone troppo. Yeah, it Yeah. It's gone <laughs>
4: troppo. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So, yeah, so somehow or another I don't object to it in the tropics so much. Uh, but then again I can go to the tropics and come home again so yeah. I'm not actually living mm. with it. So maybe I'd have a slightly different opinion if I was. Um, but, yeah, I could sort of live with it there. But, yeah, I, I do... Use use variegation in my own garden but I am fairly careful about it. I wouldn't say discreet because I like bold variegations if I'm going to do it. I can't see the point in having a variegation that's this wussy little sort of piece of cream on the very edge of a leaf that you really don't notice unless you get the microscope out Um, because then it's not making any impact. Then it does look really sick. Yeah, it does. It looks chlorotic or something. So why would you do that? Uh, Something with a bold variegation, on the other hand, looks like it's purposeful and meaningful. It's making a
6: statement. And it
1: is making a statement. So I really like variegations that are going to be in your face a bit uh, because otherwise there's no point to them. Yep. So there you go. Good.
0: We must go to our next caller who's been holding on for a long time.
1: Well, we've been prattling.
0: We have have Diane, who's out in East Malvern. (laughs) Good morning, Diane, and thanks for waiting. Oh, that's a pleasure. Good
7: morning. Good morning. I have two questions. One is a lemon tree. Um, It's about, we planted it about a year ago, but since then it's not doing very well due to the root from a silver birch in our neighbour's garden and we have to move it. Mm. It's currently in flower um, and I want to know when to move it.
1: Mm. I would have done it a couple of months ago if I'd had a chance. Uh, Spring is always a good time to deal with citrus if you have to. If you think you can get it out with a fairly intact root ball and you give it a good dosing of seaweed and keep it nice and moist, if you think we're going to have sort of a week or two of coolish weather, you know, yeah. if the weather forecast looks pretty reasonable and we're not going to get a 45-degree <laughs> day or, or something, right. might be worth trying it now. But otherwise, I'd try and do it sort of later in the autumn yeah. but when there's still going to be a little bit of warmth around so that it can get its roots re-established.
7: Right. I, I, now, I, um, should I trim it when I move it?
2: Um, possibly. How, yeah. how long has the tree been in the ground, Diane, and how big I'd is it?
7: about
1: 18 months I yeah, think so have a huge, months. It's no. uh, it should pop out with most of its roots intact yeah, from should. the original pot and
3: should. lemon trees do like their roots being pruned if you um, be careful not to rip out the bottom roots it, it, right. it likes its roots being pruned from around the sides when uh, when people have lemon trees in containers you you root prune them around the side you don't cut you know half the the pot off. Right, lengthways. Chop the bottom out. You don't chop chop the the bottom out. Yeah, Yeah. you Mm. chop the sides out. So it should be right if you sort of um, wiggle it out from the sides, and then be careful with whatever's you know put roots on uh, down the bottom. It it shouldn't be too bad. Right, and and um, when I
7: replant it, should I feed it?
1: I don't feed anything when I replant. Yeah. Um, Just use the seaweed type tonic mixtures. Yep. Right. Would everybody agree on that? Oh, okay. yes. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. feeding... You've got to remember when you're feeding a plant, you're feeding a plant uh, to give it nutrients, and the plant is generally in reasonable health yep. when you're doing it. If a mm-hmm. plant's really struggling, then its roots can't take up the nutrients mm-hmm. anyway. Yep. Mm-hmm.
7: Okay. Well, uh, I think I'm feeding the silky oak, uh, the um, silver birch <laughs> You <well>. probably <laughs> are feeding the <laughs> silver birch. Yeah. They're
1: quite greedy trees, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and they'll be out questing for everything they can get hold of. Yes.
2: But in terms of should you cut it back... Um, you could thin the branches rather than cut them, rather than give them a, a, a prune, maybe just reduce the, yeah, no, the, the number of, yeah, mm. just, so a canopy reduction rather than a prune. Right, okay. Um, and that would, that would assist in um, uh, the, the tree not having to transpire to the same extent if, if it had all of its foliage. Fine. So a thin rather than a prune. Well, it hasn't got a leaf on it at the moment, but it's got oh, to. That. Okay. Oh. oh, so it's got to that.
1: Uh, actually, that won't be a bad thing if you're going to disturb it because it isn't trying to then mm. support a whole pile of foliage. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, you may not even need to thin it then.
2: But if it's in that sort of state, it sounds like it's really dried out. Um, and prior to doing transplanting, what you'd, you'd want to really make sure that the the soil around it is nice and moist, and to the extent that it can rehydrate, it's it's hydrated. Right. So you'd you want to, want to um, put a fair bit of water into the soil prior to trying to move mm. it, I, th- I would think.
3: But, but it does have flowers on it.
2: No, okay. well,
1: they will probably mainly drop off anyway, yeah. yes. right? so we worry about the flowers. It might
3: put it, be a bit too stressful on the plant if it did try to produce fruit. It sounds mm. like it's you know right. trying yeah. to throw flowers Last out gas for survival. Gas. It's yeah. <laughs> gas. Yeah. Exactly. It, it could even be worth picking those flowers off and not worrying about the fruit if you want the plant to survive. We want the plant to survive. Yeah, you (laughs) might (laughs) take the the flowers off. Yeah, knock the flowers off.
7: Right, okay. Now, the other thing is we have these global artichokes in our front garden and they do really well. Um, The problem is I'm not sure how to break them up. We have the stumps in the ground Mm -hmm. and I've got maybe four little ones growing out from where the stump is. Now, whether that's attached to the stump... I don't
1: know. No, well, when I do mine, I whip them out of the ground. Uh, I do them at about this time of the year. Uh, dig them up, try and get the big, a few of the big tap roots on all the way around the plant or the big sort of side roots that come out and down. And once you've got it out of the ground, all you have to do is slice it with something sort of fairly sharp through the big stems, taking yeah. away at least one of the small new shoots with roots.
7: Right. Okay.
1: So you can, if you've got one stem and you've got four sort of offsets coming up around it you can slice down through the middle of the old stem uh, probably taking at least one or two with each side
7: great okay and
1: uh, and you need to do that every so often with the globe chokes because they eventually choke themselves they get too big and heavy and then you don't get the the flower buds that you want if you're actually growing Mm -hmm. them for Mm -hmm. eating purposes
7: that's great thank you so much it's a pleasure One of my
1: favourite vegetables is the artichoke. I love the globe artichoke.
3: I think I've only ever had it a couple of times. Yeah, I haven't eaten it that much. Oh, It's on antipasto platters sometimes. Yeah, but they're sort of the pickled ones. Yeah, yeah. pickled ones. They're not like the the fresh. No, the fresh vegetable.
1: Fresh. Oh, they're wonderful. You know, the earwigs come floating out when you're cooking (laughs) them. (laughs) Uh, And they're one of the. How do you
3: cook it? Just in
1: boiling. I, I put them in cold water, no salt. Put them on the stove and bubble them away for about 45 minutes. That's all I do. And then I take them out. I pour olive oil over them if I'm feeling that I should be health conscious mm. or I pour butter over them <laughs> if I feel that I'm not and a bit of cracked pepper and you just start peeling the um, the scales off yeah. and just putting them behind your teeth and pulling a little bit of meat out behind each scale oh. uh, and as you get closer and closer to the middle the meaty bit gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then you get to the choke in the centre and if there's any fluffy stuff on the top you've got to get rid of that but the basal part of the flour mm. is to die for uh, <laughs> it is the most delicious thing in the world and you dip it in the butter and, and what have you and then... Just gobble it up,
0: including oh. the stem. Don't In, forget oh, the yes, stems. A
1: good couple of inches yes. of stem, especially yep. if they're if they're comparatively small flower buds. Yeah, and uh, it's a messy thing to eat you end up with butter oil dripping down your arms and things and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's
3: something pr- you eat in the privacy of your own home. Yeah,
1: don't, don't offer don't it order at a it dinner out. party or go <laughs> yeah. order it out. Um, and, look, lots of people stuff them and do all sorts of things with them, but I like to keep it simple and I love the flavour of them so I don't see any need to yeah. enhance the flavour with other things. Mm. So, yeah, so they're one of those vegetables that are really simple to cook. Um, A little more complicated to eat and you sort of got to get your head around how to do that. And it's always a good idea to eat your first globe artichoke with somebody who is actually a professional
4: Mm. (laughs) 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 to
1: see how it's done. (laughs) Uh, And once you've got the knack of it, it is one of those things. I mean, I just love them right through their flowering season. They're they're just, you know, an absolute pleasure Mm. Uh, and a real luxury to get fresh ones straight from the garden, take them in and put them in a pot. I just think they're fabulous, and they look great in the garden anyway. They're mm. a fabulous-looking plant. Yeah, they yep. are. Uh, Although they don't look as good when you take the buds off. Funnily enough, um, <laughs> but you eat those, so that's mm. the good bit. So, yep. yeah, they're a great vegetable, and there'll probably be people now ring in with all sorts of globe bar- <laughs> recipes. <laughs> probably. <yeah. laughs> uh, but I just think keep it simple. That's the way I like them. So, Fair enough. Mm.
0: Okay, next up we have uh, Martine, who's in Rosebud.
6: Good morning, Ra- Martine. Martina. Uh, good morning. How are you? We're well. Uh, Look, um, while I was sitting here, I was just saying to the lady before I was peeling my apple (laughs) because I had my breakfast, uh, my mind started to tick over time. Look, I've got got a question and and I said to myself, you might be able to put a bit of light on the subject. Um, You know, I picked up an an Australian uh, gardening, gardening Australia. Oh God. It was in an op shop in January 2007. But, you know, Peter picked it up and took it home. Anyway, there is an article in it, and it is about uh, a chap called um, Peter Sargent, and it is, he's breeding bromelites and cordylines. And he started this off in 1982, and it is a big thing, and it is at the top of uh, the Daintree rainforest and um anyway it is uh, near the rocky high falls river that is where it is but anyway there is this big quite a big bit of an article a lovely photos but some of those um really tropical palms and and all sorts of plants which is more or less uh, breathing you know he takes cuttings and all that anyway and i was wondering. Is there um, anything like that available in um, in the book form? You know, I've got friends in uh, in Holland that just had their wedding anniversary, 67th wedding anniversary, and I'm thinking, oh, she likes uh, uh, plans and all that. Um, but this this article and the photos in that article, it was it was fascinating. I'd never seen anything like it.
1: Mm. Well, the bromeliads are uh, particularly are a uh, very collectible plant, mm. and there's plenty of people out there that collect them. We have a Victorian Bromeliad Society, uh, and they may be quite a good source to get information from. I would have thought, yeah. and I'm sure they've got a website somewhere that you could go in and find. Yeah. Oh, probably no, you,
6: think, you don't you don't have to come with that because I'm. Uh, um, uh, you know, we're uh, not uh, computer literate. To put okay. it that
1: right. way. There must be a young person in your life somewhere that might be able to help oh, you with they, that.
6: I think could, there is a young person, but I can tell you now that young person wouldn't, wouldn't have a with study when it comes to plants. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, but they may be able they to help up.
1: you get into the website so that you can read what you need to know about. Yep. Um, and there is certainly books produced on. There's Vermeer. definitely it's, a book on. Yeah, and uh, I've got one. I think at, at home. That, yes, I've uh, got one. Uh, uh, goes through both the tropical and the and the temperate bromeliads yep. uh, and gives a good sort of overview of the of the family. Um, and, you know, you talk about it being up there in the well, dangerous rainforest.
6: The only thing is what I was thinking of is going to a good book, bookshop.
4: Yeah. That'd be, that'd be a great uh, start.
6: Is, yes, you could uh, do that
1: or you could ring Legium Press in... Um, uh, Roselle in Sydney. Oh, yeah. uh, he's a specialist garden yeah. bookseller, yeah. and uh, Gil Teague up there would—I'm I'm almost positive—would have books on Bromeliad sitting on his shelf up there, ready to send to you. Probably
2: so, many.
6: Yep. What I was going to ask you, if it is not too much to ask, could you leave an, um, a bit of a note with um, with the uh, station in uh, Smith Street? Because I come, I go to uh, to the city sometimes, and I could pick it pick it up, and uh, you know something that you say, you have to ring him or write, or write to him or phone him or whatever. And the name, the name of the, um, because there are so many book bookshop, bookshops. I know, I mean, there's quite a few in uh, in the city too. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes there's I not
1: that many specialist plant bookshops. No, though. that's oh. right, uh, and they're the ones to go to if you're looking for more in depth. Subject matter,
6: like like, uh, like this one.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. so yeah. Gill would be my choice. Um, Pam, can you leave something here with the florilegium address? Look, I think we could...
0: What might be actually easier, to mm. be quite honest, is. Um, if Martina could phone you at the nursery. That's
1: a good idea. She could phone me at and work. And that way she's
0: getting it direct and she can have paper yeah. and pencil ready. Yeah,
1: and I can give you Gil Teague's phone number so you can ring him and discuss it with him what you're looking for. Yep. I mean, he,
0: he does yep. mail order. He specialises in that yep. and he has so many books on, on different plants yep. and gardens and, and garden he, design and pop, you name it.
2: He'd probably post out a catalogue.
0: Yes. yes. Could you
6: give me your, your phone number, please?
1: All right. My phone number at work is four. 263 263
6: 075 075
1: seven, don't ring me until at least half past 10 Oh <laughs> no,
6: don't worry about it yeah. No, no, so no, I... because I'll tell you one thing I've put a couple of uh, programs I have to watch and uh, so as I said Inside, this is one, and then I've got the phone. <laughs> then the Dutch news is on.
1: So. Okay. All right, so a little later today, and I'll give you Gill's phone number. I think the shop is open seven days a week, uh, so you could probably even ring them today if you wanted to, but if not, there'll be an answering machine saying to ring on Monday or whatever, um, and they would be the perfect people to talk to about books on those sorts of subjects. Yeah,
6: could you give me that one now, or you, you would be, uh, give that to me, but you...
1: Yeah, when you, when you ring me, I'll give you all the uh, details yeah, you're going to need from yeah. the nursery.
6: Because we don't have it immediately in yeah, front I of us. Yeah, I haven't got it in no, front of me. No, so no, I, no. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, that's right. Well, anyway, thank you very much because, as I said, I, you know, I've you know, beating my brain. I thought, jeez, how do I get hold of a book like that, you know? No,
0: he's the perfect person to go yeah. to. I'm sure he can help you.
6: I could. Anyway, thanks for that. That's a pleasure. For program. Okay, all right. thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. bye uh, we are
0: running through until 9.15, so you do have time if you want to jump on the uh, on the lines and give us a call. That number is 94190155. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're here every Sunday morning from uh, 7.30 till 9.15. And, of course, in the studio this morning we have Stephen Ryan, John Arnott and Chloe Foster, so we'd love to hear from you. 94190155. John, are you still involved with 3RRR? Have they got a gardening show back again now?
2: No, the, the Dirty Deeds Dirty Deeds I knew yeah. closed. Yeah, uh, we got the band back together for... Um it was August last year. Okay. I did another month, uh, which was a, a lot of fun, but um, it's uh, it's in recess. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what actors almost say when they're out of a, work, right. out of a job, yeah, don't they? Right. It's, yes, we're on vacation or what do in, audience, right. in, <laughs> in, in, in yeah. recess.
2: But, uh, you know, similar to um, – well, it didn't run for anywhere near as long as the 3CR show, but, you know, community radio, all power to – all of the diversity of community radio oh, that we have—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, um, it's wonderful. Yep. It was a lot of fun. The dirty, dirty show was a lot of fun, as yep. as as his three CR gardening show. Yep, yep. It's uh, the whole community radio thing. Is um, we'd be uh, much the poorer without it.
0: Oh. Absolutely, yeah. but of course, it's totally reliant on volunteers. On volunteers. Like we are all volunteers here.
1: Yeah. Yes, they pay us so much to be in the studio <laughs> here, don't they? Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, I think that's called intrinsic benefits. <laughs> oh yes, it's what it is. Yes. Yeah.
0: Look, we have fun anyway. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's
2: lovely. It's yeah. lovely just to be talking plants. Yeah, yeah. and
0: and we love sharing and, and hearing from from our our friends out yeah. there in in Radio Land. Yep. 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 It's yep. all good fun.
2: You always learn quite a deal you do every single morning that you, you listen do. to the show yep. and that's and that's the joy of it yeah yep. and actually we learn
1: stuff
0: we do yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, surprising
1: yeah. So, how much we learn from each other and from people who ring in yeah. indeed
0: yep. you know, yep.
2: yeah our listeners often have wonderful
0: oh exactly useful
2: information so but isn't it, that that's the game that we're in mm. is that you would absolutely never ever stop learning about plants yeah, yeah. you know there was yeah. I, I saw something on the internet the other day and it was saying that there are it's approaching 400,000 species of, of vascular plants. On that have of that actually been sort of... That have been described. been described. Yeah, and it's yeah.
1: probably oodles more out yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, you yes. know, that whatever it is, Ryanii is still out there somewhere yeah. that hasn't been discovered. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I'm still waiting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So, and that's the thing. I mean, we discussed the climbing dahlia earlier. Yeah. I mean, there's always something for new th- to learn. Yeah, and for sure. I just, mm. I just love that yeah. whole thing. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. fabulous. It is. It's, it's, it's mm. never-ending.
0: Okay. We're about... To get a board full of callers, just as we're going. Oh to be, uh,
1: yes, we're getting getting
0: the... closer to the end of the show, but never mind. We'll try and get through them. First up, we have uh, Debbie, who's in North Ringwood. Good morning, Debbie.
8: Good morning, Pam, and the rest of the crew there. Really enjoying the show this Good. morning. Um, look, i just just a, a quick question because I know there's other callers waiting. Um, I've got a, a Granny Smith apple tree, which is um, yeah, bearing heaps of fruit. Uh, this season, but there's a lot of fruit that's dropping. Um, so, And I'm just wondering whether it's lack of water or whether it's just natural attrition or, or if someone can answer that for If
0: it's got a lot of fruit, it's just trying to survive by yeah. dropping some of the load. Right. It can't really possibly support
1: crops. it yeah. all. Yeah, they, they tend to shed. So right.
8: mine even, are being shed by the cockies. Like, you know, um, 50% or... You know. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And look if the that doesn't if surprise the 50% me. that's left will be far bigger and better apples anyway.
8: Right. Or the 50% that's left the birds
1: will get. <laughs> <laughs> or that, yeah. But but
8: I tell
0: you what the other thing Debbie is that my apple tree um gave me a really big crop this year too. A lot dropped. Yep. I picked up those windfall apple apples. They were immature apples because yes. they were quite small. But they made the most fantastic stewed apple sauce. Right.
8: Okay. So so pick I'll, them up. Yeah, I'll, Use I'll them. do that this morning and um, I'll put them in a pot. Yeah, do that. Don't yeah. waste them. Yeah. Love the okay. term,
2: windfall
1: apples. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, windfalls, yes. It's uh, yeah. not always the wind that does it, but they're no. no. on the ground. That's, <laughs> a, that's a lovely turn of phrase. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a good term, isn't it? Isn't it's right. I, I,
4: I love All terms right. like that. Yeah.
8: Okay, thank you very much. I'll go out and pick out pick up the ones from the ground and start. Yeah, cooking. go and yes. grab
0: them before the birds get those. Yes, that's right. Thank you
8: okay. very much. Bye
0: bye. All right. Next up, we have. Uh, let me see. Jason and Jason's in uh, Mirrabook. Good morning, Jason. Mirab-
9: it's Murabak. Mirab- oh,
1: Murabak. Sorry, <laughs> that's probably not our fault. Good,
6: good morning, guys. How are you? We're well. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Good. One of my housemates who I live with has a herb garden, and he has. It does well, and I encourage those who have her gardens, they will do well, and yes. I encourage them to check out the song I'll Become a by, by YouTube.
0: Okay. Okay. That's it?
6: Yes, that's
4: all. Thank okay. Guys, bye for now. Okay. You, Thanks, Jason. Jason.
0: Bye. Right. Uh, next up.
4: Goodness
9: me!
5: Next up, we have uh, Gwen
2: Elliot
9: online. Oh. Good morning, hello Gwen. Gwen. Hi, Gwen. good morning everyone. Good day, Gwen. Good day. Um, you were talking before about Florilegium Bookstore, yep. and I thought there might be a number of listeners who want to make a note of where they can access um, garden books that are not readily available. I guess. Good oh, on good on you.
4: you.
9: <laughs> Florilegium is F L O R. I-L-E-G-I-U-M. They're in New South Wales. I won't give the address, but you can email sales at floralegium.com.au. Now, they are closed on Sundays and Mondays Ah. Ah. if you want a ring, but other days you could give them a ring, and the phone number is zero two for New South Wales, of course, 95718222. Nine five seven one eight two
1: two two. Fantastic. Okay. And people like Gil who do things like they do, should be supported because, you know, it's all very well to go onto Amazon or whatever and mm. buy all your books, but people like him that will source things for you and find you secondhand copies and do all the things that he does. Um, yeah, we should be supporting him and sending a bit of cash his way. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I agree.
9: Sometimes he used come down to the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. I'm not sure that he does that still now. I don't
1: think so.
4: It's very expensive to bring books down.
9: down. Mm, Tesla's days or maybe Fernie Creek special days, you know, he'll come to some of those. But if you ring him or email him, he'll tell you when he's coming to Melbourne. Mm. But he certainly won't bring his entire collection of books. No, no.
1: It's much easier to order by him. If there's
9: something special you want. Yeah, Yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: And he will look for things.
4: Studio. Okay, Good, thanks, Queen. Bye.
5: Well, that that number Amy. again,
0: uh, 94190155. Yep. Mm. And as I mentioned, we are running through until 9.15, so you've still got 20 minutes or so to uh, jump online if you want to ask a question. John, you were... Had a bit of paper there, I noticed. Oh, look, he's
1: got I, he's got flowers in the studio. Yeah. Well, I didn't, <laughs> on paper. Oh, yes. Shh.
4: So, I, yes, no, I did, got I, one you know, of his flowers. Well, it's you.
1: it's
2: actually difficult to get little um, slips of things into the pannier bag oh, from the gardens to home to here without them being all flattened. Well, actually,
1: yes. they're flat now anyway. They, his <laughs> <sorry>. so, <laughs> so it's
2: a, a, just a, a quick snapshot of what's flowering in the Australian garden at the oh, moment. Oh, wonderful. And, um, you know, it, 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 there are lots of things flowering. So this was last week. We've got um, Aduga australis, which is yeah, the And the, the bugle. it's funny because most people think of Adugas as being exotic. Exotic, mm. yeah. yeah. But we have our own. At, and there's another there's another thing that you would con- most consider to be exotic. Well, there's a couple here. There's native jasmines, yeah. um, which are flowering at the moment. They've been flowering for a long time. So you, you don't necessarily think of Australian plants and jasmine being a part of the, the Australian mm. flora, but there's no. a number of species of... Uh, Australian jasmines. we've got some Crinums, stunning things, which are stunning things. They Crinum. look great with variegated
1: foliage. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't.
0: <laughs> That's going too far. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, there's some really nice eucalypts which are flowering at the moment. There's some really nice grevilleas which are flowering, uh, which are flowering at the moment. Um, there's, there's a number of things which come under the common name of Christmas bush yeah. Oh yes, and um, um, virtually none of which are related <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> no, that's right It's
0: very confusing, that one
2: uh, So in the cultivar garden there's a row of a thing called Ceratopetalum gummiferum*. Uh, and that's the New South Wales Christmas bush, yeah. and, and it's it's actually the calyxes which are the which are the, the colourful part, yeah. And they're just looking absolutely. And they last and the last, don't yeah, they? Yeah. When
3: they they, they
1: go time. on for ages, and in they flower. go
3: darker as they get older. It's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ceratopetalum is one of those
1: plant. plants that used to be really popular in the fifties and sixties, and then it seemed to disappear out of mm. horticulture. A lot. Yeah, which you couldn't buy one anywhere for a, a long time. Yeah, it's such yeah. a shame. So it's such a fantastic
2: plant. Yeah, and yeah. it will grow at Macedon. It'll grow at Macedon.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know of a couple of big old plants growing. in gardens yeah. up on Mount Macedon that have been there for probably since the 50s or 60s, yeah. okay. uh, and they look stunning every year, although they don't always come out by Christmas. No. Up uh, where we that's are. A bit yeah. later. No, uh, right. Yeah, they're sort of more Australia Day. The Chinese uh, New bushes. Year. Yeah, <laughs> <bush>. yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Chloe's got some specimens out of her garden, um, mm. some native things out of, out of your garden, Chloe? Yeah, they yeah. are from
3: my garden. Yeah. What have you got there, Chloe? We've got the lemon-scented myrtle, which is a Backhousia citriodora, which um you know people use it's one of the bush foods plants um this has had flower buds on it for a little while and i looked at it on friday and it still had flower buds they hadn't opened and i went out this morning to pick some and the flowers have all opened up and it's absolutely beautiful so in yesterday's heat
4: yeah that popped open yeah Yeah, that
3: was it that was so it's 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 a tiny they're very slow growing plant but they are a they, you know, they're a large tree. Nature, I've had this yeah. one in the garden for, you know, a few years now, and it's still a very small. You know, it's only fifty centimeters high. It's just a really small, you know, dense little shrub, and it's all Chloe covered Hall. in flowers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: are you are you picking it? To keep it tight, you think? Yeah,
3: I did when it was really young. Right. I, I, I pinched it out a lot, right. but I haven't touched it for the last okay. couple of years and it stayed okay. quite nice. it stayed mm. quite compact yeah. um, and I just love it. Another one that I have that's in flower at the moment, it's a Hibertia um, obtusifolia. It's a funny little variety of, of obtusifolia. Um, the... The stock standard species form of Hiberdia obtusifolia is a ground cover. They've got bright yellow flowers on them and they sort of – they they flower sporadically through the year but more so at the moment. Um, but this little um, variety is one that's sort of found, you know, the clearance section somewhere, um, and it's a mounding form. So it's just this cute little yellow-flowered um, oh, mounding plant at the moment. and th- all, Yes, and all these flowers at the moment are in the hottest, driest – Clayiest, crappiest part of the front yard, and they're all flowering at the moment, and I just love it. I've loved that I finally found some plants that grow and um, prolifically in this part of the garden, and um, the last one that I brought in is this. Gravillia Sylvia it's called. And um,
1: Sylvia looks a bit like Barbara Cartwright.
3: <laughs> <laughs> She's a fabulous old girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's one of the it's one of the really large flowering grevilleas. It's a large it's huge, shrub, small it tree, yeah, puts out really big flowers. How what would we be? About twenty five twenty uh, centimetres? Yes, twenty centimeters. Yeah, 20, 20 yeah, centimeters well. just a flower yeah. spike. And I deadhead it like you would with any rose um, after the flowers are gone, and it's sort of it's that's the only pruning that this gets. So I intend to make it to sort of turn it into a, a small tree mm. to give a little bit of coverage to the small plants because it's in this really exposed part of the garden. Mm. So I want it to give a bit of coverage to the other little plants that I've got around it in time. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's just so bright, and I just I love and it. It's and
1: so pink, <laughs> so yeah. pink, yeah. and
3: it's got on the very oh what is this called the um. The s- this stigma? yellow the stigma, thank mm. you. Then this this got the beautiful yellow and the pollen made a mess in my car this morning. There is just so much pollen in it, it's all over the car seat. But um So yeah. your car's been pollinated. <laughs> your car's
1: been pollinated. <laughs> well and true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll grow a baby car.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. No <laughs> So this is a re- this is a, one of, you know a really tough gravillia. It's similar. It looks similar to the gravillia moonlight and the the pink surprise and the misty pinks. And they they have a really long flowering period. They're really tough.
1: Nice leaves too. It's nice leaves.
3: Yeah, beautiful, is it? yeah. yeah, I
0: love the whole silvery yeah.
3: sheen
1: yeah. to it. Yeah, it's got a sheen to it. It's it not heads. sort yeah. of it's dull a dull sheen. silver. A lot of silvers are sort of light absorbing and they and they look dull. Mm. Uh, but if you can get a silvery look to a leaf that's got a little bit of light reflection yeah. it just makes the whole plant more lively yeah.
3: oh yes yeah it just it's yeah, it quite shiny and yeah just the pink you know, bounces off it. Mm. Love yep. it. Yeah. So it will get up
0: to the height of a small tree virtually, will yeah, it? Yeah,
3: it's probably be about three three to four metres. Okay. So a shrub time. with
1: delusions of grandeur there. Yes. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> to go with the pink. Yeah, yeah,
1: to go with the pink. And <laughs> yeah. it, it probably looks fantastic with that exceedingly yellow herbertia growing underneath Yes, it. <laughs> yeah, it does.
3: It, it looks really good with it underneath. So, wow. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful and easy to grow too. It's only been, this tree is probably about a metre now. It's its second summer. Um, I planted it in November, you know, two Novembers mm. ago, so which was pretty late. Mm. Um, and it's fine. I don't. I water it if it's a really hot day, but I don't water it much anymore. And it mm. just, it just, it just does keeps its going. Thing. It yeah. just keeps going. And most grevilleas are like that anyway. Yes. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a very bright part of my garden at the moment, <laughs> and I love it.
0: <laughs> so, so just give out the name again for listeners.
3: Grevillea Sylvia. Um, Available in most nurseries, definitely native nurseries, it's a it's a quite a popular cultivar. Mm-hmm. The other one we we're talking about Hibertia obtusifolia. Um, common name is the guinea flower. And the first one that John mentioned as well is the Bachhausia citriadora, the lemon myrtle, which you can put in scones and have baked chicken with yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually
1: want a bush tuck of food that actually is sustaining and filling <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes, yes.
0: no they tend to be
1: yeah, yeah, sort of herby, herby. Yeah, yeah, herby. flavoury yes. things yeah. but there's nothing to them otherwise
2: have you eaten a Myrnyong microcerus lanceolata?
1: Uh, yes, I have, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think that
2: you could get a meal out of yeah. uh, micro You'd have to eat a bit of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, but, but that was a, you know, a very important staple, yeah. root vegetable. Yeah, see, I like. can't
1: imagine living off mountain pepper. <laughs> no, no. no.
4: no.
3: <laughs> and yeah. the courageongs as well, the brachychiton populneus however yeah. you yep. pronounce it, yep. they, they're they like a sweet potato. Like the, the young, you know, saplings, mm. like a sweet potato. And of but course, yeah, but then, of
2: course, that's the end of the tree. <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, that's the end. That's yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But, of course, there's all the all, all, all the grains and the wattles mm. which were beaten and you know you make a damper which yeah. is filling. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm it's so the
3: sure. damper that's the filling. Yeah, yeah. And then you, yeah, have yeah. With, <laughs> you have it with you have with a side of kangaroo. So that's Oh yes, that's, really right. that's, yeah, right. Yeah. that's right. right. That will <laughs> fill. Yes. <laughs> uh,
1: dear. Yes actually, I do like the flavour of mountain pepper and I do like the flavour of uh of the lemon myrtle though. Yeah. I mean the flavours are lovely. The flavours yeah. are lovely and they're yeah, great. The mountain pepper's interesting because it's sort of—I don't know whether you agree with me or not—but there's, uh, although it's bitey like pepper should be, uh, there's uh, it's more complex in yeah. a way. Yes, there's, it's got it, a complexity yeah, to the flavour. Yes. yes, so really nice. th- it's not just oh well, we can use that because it's a native plant instead it, of ordinary pepper and that and it'll be a, its sort of a substitute, but it's
2: different. Yeah, it's yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. agree. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's a little Vietnamese hot minty. It's a bit. Yeah, of a, there's yeah, a yeah there's all those between. other complexities yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah, and I adore the miniature ones. Yeah, aren't they great? Well, there's a couple of things that occur in the Erinundra Plateau. Mm. Uh, there's a subspecies which is Xerophila and then there's a, um, yeah, there's a, a bunch of these Tasmanias but the, the tiny little one in Erinundra Plateau mm. really should be in horticulture. Well, it's a gorgeous I got
1: thing. one from Tassie, one of the high alpine ones right. uh, which is supposed to only sort of grow to about 30 to 40 centimetres um, and I got a few of them, and I've now started putting in some cuttings, so I'll have some more going. Oh, that's soon. good. And it's a female form, so it should fruit. Fabulous. Uh, and the little red stems and the dark green leaves, and it's just so
6: cute. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's really just, tight. It, it's a really cute little bush, and I just love them. Plant. Yeah. yeah. So yes, yeah, so I'm quite chuffed to have actually got onto one of the dwarf ones. Oh, that's good. I've been thinking of doing it for ages. So I am. I have some for sale, and I am propagating now. Is, is it a zierophila? Uh, No, I don't think so. I think it's a a a Tasmania lanceolata, but dwarf dwarf alpine form. Nice.
3: Male or female? Female is the plant
1: I've got. Uh, I got it from a grower down in Tassie, and they sent me up. What they tell me are female plants. Yeah, fabulous. Mm. So yeah, so I'm quite chuffed about that. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. See, I do grow some natives. Um, um, thank you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've got, I've got I like a plants, normal
0: male form. Yeah, but of course, I don't get the um, the, the actual peppers. No, yeah. I mean you can, you can use, use the leaves. The leaves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I
1: sort of figure if you can get the peppers as well, and I'm assuming yeah. the female form will still get fruit on it without a male cross pollinator oh, nice. I'm
0: wondering about grabbing one of your oh, miniature yeah, one females. Of my, one of my girly ones. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, could be fun.
4: Could and be good I think fun. this
1: would make a fantastic pot plant. Yeah. Mm. You know, just a really nice
2: little type, kind of kauru azalea like. Yeah, inhabit. except without those ugly flowers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, In, yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I, I actually I've got a real soft spot for the Tasmanian flora. I mm. have to say. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's so. Uniquely different in lots of ways, oh, yes. yeah. uh, and you can expose people to some Tasmanian plants, and they they just can't get their head around the fact that they're native
2: yeah. Yeah. to
4: Australia.
1: Although oh, the Tasmanians don't always see themselves as Australians yep. anyway. But <laughs> I uh, mean,
2: all the all the the gymnosperms and yes. you know, the, yeah, yeah. You
1: know, I've got a whole range of the the conifers.
2: Do you really? Oh yeah, I grow yeah. and pines, king, king, billies, king uh,
1: billies, pencil pines. Nice. Uh, uh, I've got some of the dwarf ones, the delsimas, and yeah, and
2: some of the prostrate things. Some of the
1: prostrate conifers yeah. from there. Um, uh, I have a passion for Southern Hemisphere conifers. I think there's some just They're different. Fabulous.
3: They're so different to yeah. the Northern Hemisphere ones. Yeah, yeah,
1: they are. And 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 yes, we can grow our own native Christmas trees. We don't necessarily have to have a, a spruce. Yeah, uh, no. but yeah, I love the conifers from the Southern Hemisphere. Do- I just got some cuttings the other day from a, a New Guinean um, Philodendron, oh, the fantastic. celery pine. Yeah, so nice. I'm hoping that will strike because yeah. um, they don't look like conifers at all. No the phylloclatus, no. they are just amazing things so primitive looking and
2: yeah really rich. they they look yeah. like living fossils yeah they do and yes yeah.
1: and, yeah, so i have great fun with those because yeah. you know people say what's that thing oh a conifer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and they want to get a straight jacket and have me sent straight off but yeah there you go <laughs> they are there okay. fabulous yeah
0: we've got a query from the outside line um anthea's garden bed has become as uh, lucerne mulch on top the soil is hydrophobic can she apply granules straight on top of the mulch or will she have to rake the mulch aside first? And how long does it take the uh, wetting agents to work? Um, she can't lift a watering can, so she can't um, use liquid wetting agents. Okay,
2: Because that would have been the suggestion. Yeah, I yes. was going to say go liquid because yeah. uh, yeah. it's much easier.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know how long – I mean, I wouldn't be bothered taking the –
0: no, loosen no. off
1: because I'm assuming you're, going that to water if you're in the garden, yeah. the granules are small; they'll go down through the loosen. Yeah, yeah that's but right. just how long it's going to take for the agent to actually
8: start start
1: working, working mm. and you know dissipate the hydrophobia? I don't know. Mm. Uh, it'll take a little while. She'll have, have to
3: regularly water it too yeah. to, so rehydrate, it. to yes. rehydrate it. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so now I, and I mean, if you can't wa- lift a watering can, I think I'd try and make life simple. So I don't think I'd be raking all the mulch off. Oh, as well. gosh, no, it yeah. sounds like it no, can't no. work for no yep. real purpose. But it will take a little while for the for the product to work. Uh, and it would have been better to have a liquid one if you could.
2: And with um, hydrophobic soils, it's you know pulse watering is often a good idea. So apply a little bit of water, come back, mm. apply a little bit more, come back, apply mm. a little bit more. Yep. Otherwise, it just if you yeah. apply it all in one hit, it just rolls it off still
4: the top. Rolls yeah. Off. yeah,
1: that's yeah. right. Yeah. So to get right. the the product to actually work, it takes time to get it down into the ground. So, yeah, yep. yeah. And then so the
2: pulse, pulses of water. Yep. Mm. Okay. It's tricky. Hydrophobia is a very, very tricky thing to, oh, to manage yeah. in garden. It yeah. is. Mm.
1: And my garden gets pretty hydrophobic most years.
2: Does it? Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: And, I mean, I use lots of organic material and I mulch madly and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But it's still, it's once it does dry out in yeah. mid to late summer, it's really hard to get it to It, more to to wet it wet is hard yeah. to get it back. Yeah. yeah.
3: But, yeah, mulches and compost, if she's not very mobile, but compost would be another good compost option good. to try to mix some of that in mm. yep. if she has a, a young, hot tree surgeon around yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, those yeah, young yeah, hot tree yeah, surgeons. Yeah, there. Yeah, they come in, oh, they come so in so Really <laughs> handy. <laughs>
1: Especially on a hot summer's day because yeah. they're probably in shorts and a T shirt. You know. oh, I think we're getting a bit sort of sexist here now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where that's going. But that, uh,
0: that, that reminds me because people over the over the summer holidays will have been if they've got any um, plants in pots uh, because pots dry out so easily they and they will have been watering them, to have a look when you water mm-hmm. that the water isn't just all running down mm. the sides yeah, of the and pots out the and, out and, and the poor old plant is missing out on yeah. the water. Mm. Yeah. So pots can get hydrophobic very, very easily. So yeah, they really can. Just a reminder for everyone.
2: And I guess the only way is of if, if fixing that is to drop them into a, a, a bigger vessel of water. And yeah. what, if you yeah, put if them you into a tub or a yeah, bath and just it, let dunk them, them, them
3: soak. The soak them. Them. And a bit of sea salt in it as well yeah. sort of you know, oh, okay. just helps it. Yep, give a bit more of a kick. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. and then you can, it. Yeah, and yep. then
1: you can use the sea sole on the garden anyway yeah. that's left over
2: once you've finished dunking yeah, you your pots. Yeah, just pour it out in the stuff. garden. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. Okay, there. excellent.
0: Done the, and dusted.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, want, I want John to talk about that.
2: There is one plant in the um, Australian garden which is uh, still flowering. It's another one which is called another Christmas, a, another bush. <laughs> Christmas bush. This <laughs> one's the, West, the Western Australian Christmas bush, okay. uh, which a couple of weeks ago was right at its peak. It's a noitsia floribunda. That must
1: be one of the few Nothia's in the eastern states, isn't it?
2: Look, we we thought it was the possibly the only one or one of very few. There's a really nice one down at Longford near Sale as well, oh, really? which is which oh. is a, which has a similar age to the Cranbourne Nothia. So it's, an, okay. it's a a big established tree. Yep. Um But is are sort of uh, semi-parasitic plants. They're so a little bit like a. Um, uh, Exocarpus, in that they mm. they they do access nutrients and, and, and water through the root systems of other plants. Um, so, they're, you know, so they so se- that makes them they're exceedingly
1: se- difficult to cultivate, really yeah. propagate, yeah. really difficult exactly. to,
2: really to propagate. Yeah, Warren Warboys, our curator, or oh, some thirty years ago, um, uh, propagated this plant and planted it on the old um, Mallee Hill, which is now House and Hill in the Australian Garden. Yes. Um, so our Noisy has been on site for you know. Uh, possibly greater than 30 years. It's a it's a cracking specimen which is in a little bit of trouble, as a matter of fact. It's got oh, a little bit it? of bark. Some, oh. uh, about a third or greater than a third of the bark is actually starting to uh, rot and be quite damaged. Interesting plant, though, because it's putting on this flower show with so much it's bark It's an damage.
1: outrageous shade yeah, of orange. Of yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that really fire. vibrant tangerine yeah. orange.
2: Yeah. Um, So our Noitia up on the hill uh, It's still in flower And if you went to the gardens today You would see it in flower It's I I think there's a bit of a debate going As to whether it's the largest um, terrestrial parasitic plant on planet Earth. I think people mm. there may there may be okay. a claim from people in the Amazon that they
4: they have a so larger. So what
2: family does it, Santalaceae or Lauraceae? Ah. yeah, Lauraceae.
4: Lauraceae. I
2: think it might be Lauraceae. Yeah, right. So it's the same family as mistletoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is, yeah. A, it is a it is uh, a so it's yeah. a giant
1: shrubby tree mistletoe, mistletoe. basically.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's a. A uh, 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 ground-dwelling parasitic plant mm. like an Exocarpus, so it's a really got a really interesting ecology and biology. Yeah. So, uh, but it is
1: green-leafed, it. so it does produce some it, it, of its own. It, it's only it, semi-parasitic. It, that's right. It's yeah.
2: semi-parasitic, yeah. so it photosynthesises. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Uh, well, it's an amazing plant. It must be something to see in the wild. It, well, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And oh, I've um, seen a
3: lot of photos of the WA wildflower season this year, and the, the Christmas bushes are going off. No. They yeah. <laughs> there's They're just they're covered like. That, the one at Cranbourne's looking really good at the moment, but the ones in WA are just uh. on fire at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's just incredible. I'd love to see it firsthand one mm. day. Yep. Uh, uh,
1: well, there's something to work toward. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I'm afraid we've run out of time for yet oh, another again. week. Oh. We have, yes. It just goes very quickly once we get started. You have been listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We will be back next Sunday, of course, uh, 730 running through till 9.15, our usual time slot. Um, so, uh, yes, do tune in next week. A big thank you to all the team this morning, to Stephen Ryan, John Arnott and Chloe Foster, and also a huge thank you to Vicky, who's been handling all the calls for us this morning. Um, as I say, tune in next next week, but uh, stay tuned now for um, alternative news, and we'll see you next week. Until then, bye for now.